0: If you were to use Siri correctly, it helps understand what it wants to hear. Hello? Good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well. <laughs> I'm here in my lady's house enjoying a turkey leg <laughs> and some Renaissance paintings. <laughs> wow. In my medieval village, <laughs> I'm donned in a cape and a
1: velvet hat. <laughs>
0: I am the lord of the manor.
1: (laughs) How's how's everything going up there? Everything in the
0: manor is very well. (laughs) I am organized, bespoke, and efficient in every manner. The
1: manor of the manor is very well run. Man. Master of the house. (laughs) I feel like I know you very well, this person
0: mayhaps thou mightst dare me to speak such as this for one hour and a half. This is well within my powers as master of... No, I'm Bane. See, the problem <laughs> is I try not to Yeah, do you Bane. got a little
1: angry and well, you become Bane. That's the...
0: No, see, we talked about this on Top Scallops. Uh, Max has pointed out to me the thing about Bane. If you want to do Bane, you have to sound relaxed. Mm. You have to do Sean Connery, who's relaxed. So you have to do like... <laughs> let's see... Um, I don't know why it's so difficult
1: to keep half and half in this house. (laughs) I'll at this again and I'll allow you to die. That's good.
0: As I discovered on this program, my bane very quickly degrades into Jar Jar
1: Binks. Oh, how is that? (laughs) Misa, don't understand why the scissors can't be in the drawer. I don't.
0: Anyway, I don't see. uh, Okay. Yeah, well, you gotta listen to the program. It's uh, a very good program. Um, <coughs> oh, I guess, should I try and do that for an hour and a half? I, can do I it. like it. You know, we've done enough shows, it's probably time for uh, this, <laughs> a stunt episode.
1: Right. Like a like a like a, a phony special guest.
0: Well, like yeah, sure, like uh the guy from Edgar.
1: <laughs> the guy is that, is that, the guy is the name, from Edgar. Is,
0: well, yeah, you didn't get the ping this morning on whether we're interested in that.
1: Oh, the set the follow up ping.
0: I got the follow up ping yeah just, just just following up on this yeah yes thank you yeah um so uh yeah i could do that you know like a stunt episode like letterman used to do in the 80s like it would be on an airplane or it would be upside down
1: or working out you of know? a burger king or something
0: working out of a burger king we could do uh yeah i could i could just talk like somebody who's confused about what era is old timing <laughs> and do it as bane yeah i will take this steampunk subway to the renaissance festival
1: I have a, I have a two-handed blade and high, hard boots. I've invented fire. <laughs> well,
0: he's the guy who's only sure that he doesn't like now. He's confused about the past. <clears throat> so, big week.
1: Yeah, it's a big one.
0: Mm.
1: Mm. A lot mm. going on. You you sent me, right before we started the show, a, a punch-down list.
0: The, it's a punch-list of the bullets. Yeah.
1: And then I'm very excited about several of these items. Well, uh, lots of this questions. Is, Every week you, you you do something that I want to do. Oh, is that right? Yeah. You aspire to be me. Every week, something new. Rise,
0: rise, rise. I made a list of things. I, I went, you know, the, part of the thing is we get a lot of nice notes from people and feedback from people, but uh, it's not always actionable. Hmm. Uh, so we got a lot of nice feedback this week. Uh didn't have that many specific things. I don't really have anything else to say about productivity except give yourself a break and try not to be scared. But we need to keep this thing running. So yeah. I figure we could talk about Hound. We Hound. could talk about, uh, have you played with Hound?
1: Yeah. After I saw you tweeting about it, I went on a walk with my uh, eight-year-old and he and I experimented with it for a while. So.
0: Oh, I, I would be interested to talk about that. Yeah um and what else we have lots of uh lots of uh as they say odds and sods Mm -hmm. it's a stew it's little snips yes snips and snails and puppy dog tails (laughs) that's the kind of stew that i would enjoy
1: (laughs) (laughs) you can see i've torn the bag off the plane i think i like this guy better than the elf oh really yeah hello your library books are due. It would be very unfortunate if you lost your landing privileges. I feel you like know, this, this is the, fine. These fines go higher every day. This is the personal assistant I want. I don't want Siri anymore. Uh, or Hound. I, I Bane. Yeah. Right. <laughs> your meeting starts in five minutes.
0: I'm blowing up a stadium. <laughs> What did you think of that movie? You like that movie?
1: Yes, I did actually. To my own, to my own surprise, uh, simply because there were well, there were so many things in it that were just flat out impossible. Uh, f- yeah. For for example, healing yourself of a of a broken back through wor- working out with a rope, hanging from a rope, and an underground. It's, lodge.
0: it's like homeopathy. It's, yeah. it's a little unconventional.
1: Yeah. Uh, I tried it shortly after watching the movie, but it didn't help.
0: Yeah, I think you're just looking for a reason to hang from a rope. <laughs> I mean, who isn't? Oh, God. Leftovers. David Carradine. David Carradine. Oh, yes, yes, yes. He has to walk across the paper while he's choking <laughs> himself. <laughs> he's got to pick up the dragon pot. think <laughs> hey, kids today still watch Kung Fu.
1: I, I showed it to my son, and now he would very much like to learn Kung Fu. Really? Yes. Do you show him martial arts movies? Uh, not as many as I should. I've shown him a, fr- a few Bruce Lee movies. Uh, he's seen some of the good fight like the scenes. Whole, whole movies or scenes? Like he's seen all like all of *Enter of the Dragon*. No. Yeah, I, I show scenes. I show scenes. I've shown scenes of *Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon*, and I've shown a whole bunch of *Matrix* scenes.
0: Okay, I've. Mm, I, don't put this out. I've done both of those. Okay. Um, the thing is. It's sort of like you and the you and you and the music where you want to give it in the right order. It has to be in the right order. I've been well, thinking a, the about this nonstop. Is, it has to yeah. be. I can't show her Kill Bill until <laughs> until. Well, no. The thing is, you can enjoy. I'm not going to show my daughter Kill Bill. Relax. Um, but like Kill Bill, Crouching Tiger, even the Matrix, the Bullet Time stuff mm-hmm. in the Matrix. Mm-hmm. You appreciate all of that so much more if you've watched dozens of like 70s Kung Fu movies. Yes. It's hard to, you know, the thing is, I showed her Crouching Tiger, and I think she was a little bewildered by it. Like, why are they walking on trees? It's like, well, because my
1: magic, I guess. Yeah, it's like Uh, a magical reality. But I think it's cooler to me and you than it is to them.
0: Yeah. I'm going to start her off. For John Woo, I think I'll start her with the killer. Go straight in, and she's going to learn. You shoot your gun sideways while you're jumping in a trench coat. Wow. Uh, Yeah, it's hard to do... Oh yeah. Yeah, but you know, you want to pull out the good scenes. I I pulled out some good scenes. I pulled out some good scenes. Which ones? Oh, lots of them. We've watched we've watched good scenes. Like you know, with the watch like Watchmen, I I didn't do the fast forward like you did. We've watched a couple scenes from that. When mom is at a meeting, mm-hmm. I sometimes show her bits of the Hunger Games. I feel like we are on the precipice with the Hunger Games right now and my wife has flatly said that is not going
1: to happen. Really what which part I I have seen that movie. But it was a while ago, and I don't remember. Are there a particular, like, are there gory scenes, or, or is it well, just at, a mature at subject? The risk
0: of, at the risk of repeating myself, the, the, uh, the two big things are uh, straight-up sex. We don't do straight-up sex. There can be innuendo. And there's a lot of stuff on Parks and Rec, which is our favorite show. That's a little... Eh, so there's some episodes we skip.
1: What do you consider, I mean, when you say, you, you you know, what you show, like, would would kissing, or is it a shirt comes off, or when is it a... Uh, uh, a a teaching moment.
0: Well, I mean, it varies for everybody, but I, and I'm not like exactly trying to hide stuff from her. I'd rather that her introduction to the whole notion of how babies get made, not be about the relationship between Ron and Tammy. Okay. (laughs) Like that's not, that's not a good, I don't want her to imprint on the Ron and Tammy relationship as, as like what, you know, uh, no, but it's, and then these, of course, these like the whole like overt, you know, like, you know, body parts part, of course. Yeah. But, but you know, actually increasingly that's not a big deal. In the eighties, that was a big deal, but <clears throat> I'm, I'm utterly, I'm still utterly perplexed by what gets what rating. And I want to talk about this in a minute. Actually, I'd like, remind me, I'm going to put a note here, Zootopia trailers. Um, but no, you know what it is? I've said that, I'm sorry, I've said this so many times, but it's what I will just call personal violence. Okay, so like it's weird, because in my mind, like blowing up the Death star, I mean that's that's horrible, yeah, like you know when, when Ender when Ender makes, well, I don't want to spoil it, but you know, Ender does some stuff in Ender's game that if you really think about it is you know, wow, yeah, uh, um, well, he's destroying. Think, remember, remember how the story goes, okay um shooting a stormtrooper. Like pew, pew, pew. Like that's bad, but it's kind of bloodless. But like the, just like, especially anything where a man is menacing a woman with a weapon, that's right out. Like where, where like somebody's holding a knife to a lady's neck or somebody just walks up and shoots somebody, like point blank, personal violence. Like that's, that's the kind of stuff that I just, that really feels bad and wrong to me. Right.
1: Like you I know. think that, you know, the stormtroopers are killable because they are... Very much like they're robots, they're faceless entities. They seem like
0: robots, yeah. yeah.
1: When I yeah. was a kid, I, I wasn't, I, I mean, I saw the movie when I was four and a half, so I didn't really connect with the fact that there were really people in there. You know what I mean? Like, I, I well, understood. and I, I
0: talked about this last week. We both thought to like a near certainty that, well, he thought that the stormtroopers were pretty definitely robots. Yeah, and I was pretty sure that they were people just because of the way they moved. But they were—they're were definitely like faceless. Like I mean, it's they, they didn't—they didn't matter. You know, what they've mean? almost become their own analogy—not analogy, but they've almost become their own referent. It's like you think about what stormtrooper. Stormtrooper is somebody who runs up and gets shot, and they can't shoot anything. Yeah. And you know, they're just bad guys. So like, who cares? Right. But <clears throat> um, yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I walk a funny line with those things. But we went to see what's the Zootopia has got to be PG, right? Zootopia rating. It's got to be PG. Um, I'm guessing. Yeah. 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 So, you know, we went this weekend and like, I don't know. I mean like she's, she's eight. So she was fine with this, but like the trailers, like, you know, I, I always thought the deal was, you know, when you see a green band trailer, it says at the beginning, something along the lines of this preview has been approved for appropriate audiences. Yeah. And my rule of thumb on that in my head is that if you're seeing a PG-13 movie, you can see PG-13 trailers for stuff and nothing in the trailer, it would be horrifying to somebody who's there to see a PG movie. Right. Um, But there was a, one of the um, trailers was for this uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, which is wow, wow. I mean, I don't think that's a kid's movie and I don't think that's any PG. There was a lot of really loud explosions. Uh, and and turtle Sass mouth and that yeah. kind of thing.
1: A lot of kids, a lot of kids, do not like loud explosions. And when you think about it, what <clears throat> makes one movie PG thirteen might be very different for what makes another movie PG thirteen. One might be PG thirteen because it shows two adults kissing. Another might be PG thirteen because it shows things getting killed and exploded. You know what I mean? And and I think it's it's tough to have a rating that be that open. I know they get I know that they get more specific for why it's receiving that rating, for example, but when you're in and you're subjected to the previews, you don't know what kind of PG 13 you <laughs> might get. Is that what you're saying?
0: Partly, yeah. I think also there's a <clears throat> I think there's a certain amount of horse trading that goes on with trying to get a certain rating. I've heard people talk about this with TV shows and dealing with the standards and practices people at a network and how, okay, you know, you you go in and say like, okay, we want these things. And five of these things are these okay and they go no no that's too many and you go like okay well what if we just do these two things that are that are like pretty edgy and they're like hmm you know they work out this balance of it. So that's what's funny about it is like you know like in um like you know uh, the Avengers is I know it's it's not really supposed to be for kids but you know it's about comics. But like there's some you know there's some swears in that. I think famously in uh, Ultron there's that's one of the running jokes yeah. is swears. <clears throat> But, um, I guess what I'm saying is you cannot count on there being a, a dependable baseline level of anything that you expect or don't expect that there could be some like, wow, you know, kind of moments in the movie. So that's actually where, I mean, I kid about things like the site, kids in mind or common sense, but common sense is actually really useful. But, you know, I don't know if you saw this, um, over the weekend. Um, my wife gave me an afternoon off and so I went to see Deadpool.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> Have you seen it? No, but I saw you tweeting about it. Well, that
0: movie was terrific, and boy, did it ever earn its rating! Oh my goodness, it earned its rating, and so it's funny. I just thought, you know, of course, you know me. My first thought is, oh, I gotta go look at Kids in Mind. Is there right. any wild? Is there any wild chance that Kids in Mind actually did this? And if you've never seen Kids in Mind, it's a site that is. I think it's actually really useful. And if I had to think of the voice of the site. It's not exactly what your Christian aunt would say about the movie, but it's not too far off. They basically, they go through and they look at violence. um, What do they do? Violence, substance abuse, and sex mainly. And then they also, you know, have, they'll go through like the swears and stuff like that. But they go, they catalog like to the most hilarious specific detail, what was in the movie. But it's it's something very funny. The reason I say it's like a Christian aunt, like no offense to aunts or Christians, but it is this kind of like, you know, what was the ones like,
1: you know, there is a scene where a man, a woman in a club speaks, speaks suggestively with a man.
0: Right. Or exactly. And we later see their
1: faces and shoulders as they thrust up against a wall.
0: Right. But you know, the problem is in Deadpool, like it is very violent. It is very sexual and it is freaking hilarious and that's that particular tone to describe a movie as sassy as deadpool yeah. i mean it's this is not a spoiler to say that this is a very sassy break the fourth wall movie like you would expect or hope i'm not expect what you would hope from a deadpool movie it is genuinely very very funny and i mean i think you know Deadpool's not the most popular you know character in the world but i i i love deadpool when he's done well yeah so here's one this is the one i posted <clears throat> uh bullet a cartoon character experiences a large erection in his superhero tights as he rides on the back of a unicorn, rubs its horn, and the horn shoots rainbows,
1: simulating orgasm,
0: and the animal flatulates paper money out its rear end.
1: I mean, it's. Uh, <laughs> is that accurate? I mean, is that. <clears throat>
0: That's pretty much what it says on the tin. But, uh,. I actually think things like this can be useful for the edge cases like, yeah, you know what this this really so what did it got? It got uh, eight out of 10 for sex and nudity, eight out of 10 for violence and gore. Wow. And 10 out of 10 for profanity. Deadpool uh, cusses in a very, very funny way. But, you know, obviously this is kind of silly. Like, my, the, th- the joke that I made was, like, it's it's hilarious to me that they still... Uh, why would you just not put up a giant buster sign and go, no, don't take anyone to this movie. This is for terrible people. Right, man. it's rated R. But it's so rated R. But, you know, for some, like, edgy movies, like, it's... I appreciate that Christianan voice because you can go in and look at something like Hunger Games and when you read it in that particular flat tone you can go oh like just even without seeing the movie i can i can tell that like this is one thing i definitely don't want my kid to see and you know i mean you could certainly say shame on me for wanting my kid to see PG-13 movies but you know if your kid is into comics you know how many PG movies can you find is that appropriate or not i don't know everybody has to decide for themselves but you know it's also i would love to see a graph and i'm sure someone can find this and send it there must be a graph out there um it could be a line graph or a, a or like an animated pie graph but i you know the number of pg13 movies pg13 feels like it's become the default rating cuz it's right in the pocket you're not if you do an r like it's such a big deal that deadpool was r rated because it's considered extremely daring these days to do an r rated movie cuz you can't get 15 year old kids guaranteed you know what i mean to come see it yeah and also to to really say like hey this is a comic book movie that's this is so rated r and then a PG movie, I think I suspect in the industry, that's c- probably if it's not strictly a kid's movie, PG probably feels like a little bit of a stamp that like, this is not a grown up movie. You know what I mean? I do. I totally do. And so PG-13 becomes this default where it's like, so like, what's, what's not PG-13? I mean, yeah, the Hunger Games, uh, Avengers, like pretty much every Marvel, I think every Marvel movie, every MCU movie is PG-13, I think. Um, but then, on the other hand, think about Finding Nemo. And was Nemo was Finding Nemo G?
1: That's a good question.
0: Finding Nemo is rated G.
1: There's a lot of scary stuff. Like, still, my four oh, and a half year old is not comfortable with that. I can think of at least two things in that movie
0: that are a scarring level of scary. The shark, there's certainly right? the shark. Yeah, but even before that, like his mom. And dozens of members of his family were all killed. Yeah. Like they were all like murdered in their home. Like that's, sorry, spoilers for Finding Nemo. But like, that's really scary to a little kid. But you know, hey, it's, it's a cartoon. So, but, so the thing is for me though, I have to say like, to me, G is to children as like uh, NC-17 is to perverts. It's like, you know what you're getting <laughs> into. When you go to a G movie... You would, I I kind of feel like I'm not saying it should be all like doot to doot music, but like I'm, you know. So, sex and nudity, it scores a zero for finding Nemo, the only note being a male and female fish flirt briefly. Huh. It gets a three for violence and gore. That's the biggest section. It gets a zero for profanity, although they do note there is some fishy name calling. Mm. Anyway, uh, what was my point? Uh, Deadpool's really good.
1: Um, you know, there's a. I'm, I'm looking at the Little Mermaid, which is one of my daughter's current favorites. Uh, sex nudity gets a one. It says a kiss. The mermaid's midriff is exposed. <laughs> right. Well, that's. But see, that's exactly what it's useful for. Is like somebody
0: is somebody is doing. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but no. somebody's doing this. Somebody's doing this to say like I am going to write this in a way that somebody who is potentially put off by stuff I wouldn't even think of being an off-putting thing. Like, you know what? In somebody's house, like, think about in Europe. Like, in Europe, you, maybe it's okay to have them, like, you know, you think about how many, how much more, like, topless non-sexual stuff there mm. is in European movies for years, where for for at least as long as I was coming up, European movies regarded nudity and to some extent sex as being like, well, yeah, like we're people. That's like, this is our body, but violence was right out. Like oh, you yeah. would not see gun murder on the BBC so often. Whereas in America, you know, so you might say, well, Hey, look, I don't mind depictions of human love, but like no way should there even be the appearance of a weapon in this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And I think, I think something that Americans are always sort of, you know, you know, Look down. I don't want to say look down upon by by others. Is just the acceptance of violence, and they always tie it back to gun violence and all these other things of like desensitization of the of that kind of thing on TV, and uh, and and everyone else is okay with the nudity stuff, and we're we're still not okay with that. But I don't know. Like I I, I often see you know my my kids like these movies, and like they found this goosebumps. A TV show from. I, it looks like it's from the 90s. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. I, I forget how
0: I had forgotten how super popular that series was. I had I, of no course, idea. Of course, like, I was in my like 20s when
1: it came out. Right, exactly. <laughs> like it passed me by. But they found this thing and they love and they love it. And I watch I'm like, this is freaking scary, man. Like I don't. I like it's disturbing, you know. And uh, but it doesn't disturb them. But like the shark in Finding Nemo. My daughter can't watch that movie, but she can watch Goose. Like, I don't get it. I don't understand.
0: Well, think about, think about Bing Bong in, uh, think think about Bing Bong. Consider Bing Bong in Inside (laughs) Out. That's one of the most gut-wrenching sequences I've ever seen in my life. I haven't, still haven't seen it. Oh. It's, um, there's something that happens with one of the characters that is incredibly sad and incredibly moving and... You know any human being, but especially anybody who has ever been a child or had a child, is mm. going to watch this and just it just tears your heart out yeah. um but you know it's or, or you know think about the crap we saw with like how many like movies like the yearling or uh oh, yeah. or Old Geller or all those kinds of movies mm-hmm. um so I'm gonna put some of these in notes because these are things that we should share with our audience um and and you know i I know this is an old joke, but we haven't returned to this one in a while. The folks at Kids in Mind did take the time to uh, review the uh, 1998 film, The Big Lebowski. <clears throat> uh, so uh, for sex and nudity, it gets a five. Okay. For violence and gore, it gets a five. So, so far, so good. Profanity, it gets a 10. Oh, yeah. And specifically, about 240 F-words. Wow.
2: Mini-scatological.
0: It's not the world record holder, but it's up there. Um, that's about two a minute. I think, um, mini scatological references, many anatomical references, many mild obscenities, uh, discussion topics in case you would like to discuss the Big Lebowski with your children. Kidnapping, <laughs> pornography, marijuana use, the Vietnam and Gulf Wars. And just to show the kids in mind is not without a sense of humor, the message of the movie, go with the flow, dude. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, it's funny because just the other day over the weekend, my son was at, he's eight, he was asking me, cause he, I probably am a little too lenient with letting him curse or he, you know, that kind of thing. Like I don't, I tell him that there are better words to use and that, you know, an, an intelligent educated person wouldn't necessarily rely on curse words to express themselves. But if he curses around me, I, I'll be like, Hey, you know, watch. And he'll be like, all right. But like, he knows he's not gonna get in trouble from me. Now my wife has a completely different philosophy on this, but at the same time, I'm not gonna 240, you said? Well, he has the Big Lebowski. I mean, I'm I, but he asks to watch that movie all the time, and he's like, "Dad, can you find a censored version of that?" And He understands this. He's, like, "Can you get a censored version of the movie? Because I really want to see that movie. Can you get like the the altered for TV version of that movie?" And I can't find it anywhere. I can't find it anywhere. Of, of which movie, Big Lebowski?
0: <laughs> well. Famously, as you know, there's the right. So, okay. So what you're describing is the version that would run on, I
1: guess, on TV. On USA or something.
0: In the 2000s. Yeah. And I mean, am I remembering, I mean, obviously, so if you haven't heard this, the dubs to cover up the curses are famously like over the top stupid. Yes. And I mean, am I remembering correctly? Did the, did the cones have a role in in writing what the, yes, I think they did. This is what happens when you find a man in the Alps. Yes. Find
1: a stranger in the Alps.
0: (laughs) This is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps.
1: That's it. Right. That's so great. I mean, Um, like he would enjoy that. He doesn't know any better. He would enjoy that movie, that version of the movie. Yeah. And I want to, I want to get that. I want to get that for him. I want to, but I like, I don't know how, how do you get a censored version of a movie? I don't know. Even I don't, if it was just censored down to PG thirteen, that'd be great. It'd be fantastic.
0: That's not even something that you could probably get off the back of a truck. No. Um. But you know, it's all. It's also interesting because, like, you know, well, a couple things. Well, one thing is that, like, um, um, I don't know. I I'm trying to become more sensitive to the fact that not every you know nobody's a stereotype. Well, everybody is different in some way or other. And it's just by virtue of the color of our own crystal that we tend to see people as being this way or that way. But there's some stuff that bugs a lot of people and some, some stuff that bugs not that many people, but there are people. So for example, like you read something on kids in mind and you're going to find this really extremely granular stuff where you go, okay, that's beyond the pale for what I could show a kid of even like 12 or whatever, like, you know, but um, the the other thing about it is that I do, I'm starting to think more about that. I wish I'd thought more about earlier is the thematic issues. Mm. So like, you know, of course, when I made the, the joke about Deadpool, you know, Professor actually was out there to go, well, you know, actually there's the line about how anybody can be a superhero. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that was, that was really good. Colossus dropped some science. That's really cool. But like that, there's probably better ways to portray that than by showing them Deadpool. Um, but then on the other hand, like, look at, I mean, I, I don't want to spoil this. Max Temkin hates this movie and loves this book. I like the movie Ender's Game. It's not a perfect movie. People, you know, anytime you take a beloved book and turn it into a movie, like, I understand. Like, there's lots of movies that I wish were better because I loved the book. But I thought Ender's Game was really quite good. And it got, it got right up to the edge of, like, the Ayn Randian things that I can cannot tolerate without going too, too over the line. But I thought that was a very moving movie. But even though... Did you read the book? No, I didn't.
1: Okay. Did you? Yes, I did. I read it. I read the. It's entire, really really good, right? The, yes, it's a very very good book, uh, especially for its time. But I think it would hold up. And I've read cool. all, the, all of the Ender's books, and I didn't when I didn't read them at the time when they were new, and all my friends were sort of reading them. I read them later as like a maybe in my early twenties. And I really, really enjoyed these books. I really liked them, especially the first one. And so when I saw that the movie was coming out, I was like, oh, that could be good. Harrison Ford's in it. That could be very good. He's kind of in it. Uh, Yeah. He's, 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 I think he's, he's, he's on a mobile phone for some of the movie. Yeah. But I mean, I'm speaking. I liked the movie. I liked the movie. I thought the effects were fantastic. And, oh, yeah. Uh, especially the alien is aliens were wonderful in that movie. And, I mean,
0: the kid, I thought the kid was great. was he, and like, regardless of like what his lines and his directions were, was he pretty close to what you'd imagine Ender to be like? Cause Mac, Max thought, Oh, the problem with this is this is much more nuanced in the book. And in this, he's a kid who's very advanced at what he does. Who's a good fighter. Yeah. And uh, has, uh, as I would agree. say in D and D high charisma.
1: I agree. I d- It is. He is not at all what I imagined him to be like. Um, at at all and and really it it felt like the same premise but a completely different telling of the story and the characters were very different and things that happened were all were all very different but i did like it as a as a standalone movie Mm -hmm. and the effects were great what about farts yeah i think some people really don't like farts like being around them or or the the concept of a fart as a funny joke
0: Well, I think fart humor can be extremely funny. There's very few things in the world that are naturally more funny than farts. They are almost the definition of funny because they are awkward and unexpected. Right. And there they surround us. But, you know, (laughs) when I watch, like, my daughter has been watching the trailer. I don't know if this is exactly a fart joke, but, like, when you watch a trailer for something like the Angry Birds movie, which is just everywhere, and we watch it on the trailers, and, like, there's so much about that movie where I'm like, oh my God. Well, you know that feeling when you watch a trailer for a movie and you go like, okay, you know that there's a science to making trailers. And they have taken the parts that they consider to be the catchiest and funniest and maybe even some parts that were kind of made to be in a trailer. Yeah. And that's what they've extracted. I don't want to be too reductive, but you go like, wow, this, this, if this is to give me some concept of how and whether I will enjoy this movie, I want to burn this with fire. Yeah. Because even though it has all these great they look very well animated, it has great voice parts in it you know, or, or like you know those uh, like the Ice age movies or the there just seems like there's a lot of jokes based on an animal being squashed and then popping back up <laughs> or something like that, or <laughs> yeah, there's those kinds of things where I just I'm like, man, give me the review that shows me how much of this movie is is about that kind of humor, which is I'm not against I mean, I like gross humor. I think it can be extremely funny. But like, and in, in Deadpool, it is done very, very well. It is extremely dark, violent humor. I mean, more stuff like where he 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 cuts off somebody's because you know he's a, he's Deadpool. He's yeah. he's a he's a deadly assassin right. with incredible accuracy. So he can do stuff like shoot. He's got one bullet left in the gun, and he shoots three people in the same shot. Hilarious. Or he does something like he chops off somebody's head, kicks it, and knocks somebody down with the head. Stuff like that is very funny in an R-rated movie. But like, I just there's. Those kinds of movies where I'm just like, even like the Minions movie, like Despicable Me was so good, mm-hmm. and Minions was so like, ugh, just excruciating. Yeah, to me.
1: I agree, and my kids love it, and, I, and I don't know what to say about that. And
0: those trailers are just like they're, they're 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 science, man. They're just crack for little kids. Yeah. Um, I got a lot more to say about all this. Could you um tell me about something that you like? Try and tell you
1: about a little something I like to call Igloo. Hmm. I mean, if you want to hear it, I definitely show. want to Whatever. hear about it's your show, my show, my show.
0: my show. I want to hear about
1: Igloo. I mean, I got on the phone. I've,
0: I've had to use intranets before, but I've never really found an intranet I really like.
1: Well, that's the that's the problem that Igloo wants to solve. This sounds like a perfect fit. I mean, it's a good segue for, for the spot anyway. Mm. Because I got on the phone with these guys and I said, listen, I said, it sounds like, you know, you guys know what you're doing. And it sounds like you guys have built something pretty good here. And they're like, well, thanks. And I just hung up. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I feel like I should go into it a little bit more for the spot.
0: You didn't need to, the phone to, to find all the facts because you know a lot of it's out there. A
1: lot of it is sort of floating. Yes. But the question I would like for you to ask yourself if you're if you're listening to the show and you're like in a a medium sized or large business, you're running into the kinds of problems that igloo is really really good at solving. You're in their wheelhouse, as Merlin would say. Yes. And the questions are: What if there was an easy way? For, for you and your corporate friends to communicate more effectively? What if, you know, you hire someone, you want an onboarding process, right? You have an upcoming merger and acquisition. How do you streamline this? Are there changes to the company benefits? Excellent. But how do you put all this together? Where are your employees going to find all the information they need in a unified space, in a unified way? Do you really want to outsource this to like 20 different companies, all that does one of these many, many pieces that you need? No, of course not. Do you want to build your own intranet? Sure. Go and you know buy some servers, rack them up, hire someone to maintain them. What about all the upgrades, the patches, the maintenance? None of that's actually really good. Igloo handles all of this. It integrates with tools like Salesforce. They've got an API your developers can code against. You can customize everything. You just pick what you need. And you make, you make that your home base for the whole company. There are so many features that they have. I mean, all the stuff that we like out there in the world, they have taken the best of it. They've built it and they've integrated it all. So you might want, you might want calendaring. They've got that. You might want uh, like, like messaging, what the kids are doing out there all, all across the internet. You can have that. You can have that, but you can have it secured. You can have it in one place and integrated together. Knowledge management, social workflow, corporate communications, all of this stuff is is right there. And it's all, again, you're hearing me say integrated a lot of times. That's for a reason. It's all tied together, but you take just what you need, you customize it, you make it work the way that you want. It's an internet that you will actually like. And they made a special URL just for you guys to go and check this out. igloosoftware.com slash back to work. That's where you go. igloosoftware.com slash back to work. What are you going to do when you get there? You're going to see pretty much everything that they do. It's a really good jumping on point. And you can try it for free. You can try it for free and really get to know it, really get to use it. Say, okay, we're, let's try the calendaring stuff. Let's try the chat stuff. Let's try the news posting. Let's try their sort of internal Twitter stuff. All this stuff, we're going we're gonna to try it out. We'll test it out. and We'll see how it works, knowing that they're encrypting it on the back end, knowing that it's secure, and knowing that if you like it, you can roll this out to the whole company and their pros at doing this. So go check it out, iglusoftwarecom slash back to work. Thanks, igloo. Thanks, igloo.
0: Um, I have uh, some uh, some pre odds and sods uh, to just run through real quick, if that's okay for for things to talk about. We got we could talk about synology. We could talk about hound. Uh, we could talk about running a bath. Uh, okay. I bought I bought Roderick a copy of Predestination. Um, and then we had you had something about maybe talking a little bit more about uh, getting things done.
1: Yes, one of our one of our uh, astute listeners has asked for more about that. Okay.
0: I would be totally into that. Um, I want to start. Just, I mean,
1: if you're if you're ca- letting me choose,
0: I would pick Hound first. Okay. Well, l- l- can we let's do? Okay, I'm going to move that up on the list. Okay. Let's do Hound. But first, let me just knock out a couple quick ones. All right. Um, you know, this is just this is a weird random thing. There's a there's a podcast, new podcast I really like a lot, which is called Canvas, and I've mentioned it before. But it's Federico Vitici and Fraser Spears, and it's it's one of those podcasts where you it comes along and you're like, ah, how is this never a podcast before? Because it's it's two guys who are heavily invested in using an iPad as and really pushing it to the edge for what you can do with an iPad in two very different contexts. So Federico Vitiçi, who does Mac stories, and you almost certainly read some of his wonderful articles. Um, he really, he considers the iPad his primary device. And he has tricked this thing out. He's written so much great stuff about how to use things like workflows, how to use things like, um, and the you know, apps like, I, um, one writer and just, you know, so much great stuff about what if you were to say that this is going to be my primary device for doing stuff. And he's written very movingly about when he was recovering uh, from cancer treatment right. and how he was in a hospital bed with an iPad. It's one of the, best things I've read in many years. But anyway, so he comes out of from this uh, being person who is very involved in writing for the web. It's again, it's like one of those ironic jobs where he uses the iPad to write about using the iPad. I've had that job. Um, so he's very, very smart and he's very, very thoughtful and he's young. So he thinks about this pretty differently than somebody my age. And I find it very refreshing. And I think he's a very, um, you know, perspicacious and salient writer uh, alongside Fraser Spears, who's a wonderful guy who lives in Scotland. And he, I, I hope I'm getting this right. He basically handles it. I don't know if it's for a school district. I think it's for a school. I think it's for a school that has one-to-one iPads. So every kid's got their own iPad. And I think his wheelhouse is like, he is the iPad guy. So he has to think a lot. About all kinds of stuff working well at scale, and the two of them together do this show called Canvas, and I've put it in notes. And I really, really enjoy it because they're they're both super smart and they have a great perspective. Um, and you know, kind of you know, contrasting needs. And each episode so far, they've covered one general area, like dealing with documents on the iPad. And uh, now this sounds dry, but it's really not. Um, talking about photo editing, and they had one this week that I think could be really useful. For almost everybody on iOS, but especially anybody who uses an iPad, and they talk about typing, just dealing with typing on an iPad. Which, if you had an, I have an iPad Pro, especially, is a particularly interesting and sometimes perplexing venture. I would just say go and check that out because, uh, you know, I'll just say I can't believe sometimes, you know, because I'm not the, you know, I'm not the uh, sharpest knife in the drawer. But there's things I know about typing on iOS that I'm surprised to learn other people don't know. There are still people, I guess, who aren't aware that you can tap twice and that adds a period and a space. I guess yeah, there are still people. In, well, I know. I mean, every, almost everybody learned that in like 2008. But the thing is, that's if you don't know that, wow, that's going to change your game. I will risk sounding pedantic to say, hey, you can hit space twice. That's really good to know. Other great ones to know. A lot of people don't know that you can type on the period and get you know TLDs. So you can t- type and hit and hold the period hold that, and get yeah. .com. Yeah. Some folks don't know that. A lot of people don't know that you can hold and slide up to select, you know, uh, special characters or accents and stuff like that. One that I'm, is, was giantly useful to me. Something um, my friend Albert soul brother taught me years ago is you can just mash on the keyboard to make a contraction. So a lot of times if you write W E R E, it comes out as were what, what is crazy is if you type what you want to be a contraction as a word and then at least one extra letter, it turns it into a contraction. So try typing D-O-N-T-T and that makes don't. If you try W E R E E, it makes we're, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I L L L will make I'll. I I I don't know if this is documented most places, but you know, if you want to stop having dumb looking non contractions, stuff like that's super helpful. Um, because, you know, I still feel like, you know, this is one of those things where I I wonder how many of us got to a certain level of, it's almost, it's almost the equivalent of hunt and pack typing in the eighties where like you would learn enough to be able to make words, but you're never going to type 80 words a minute. And now, you know, Fraser's at a point where he types something like, I think he said he types something like 70 or 80 words per minute on a hardware keyboard, right? but he's he's over 60 words per minute on the iPad keyboard. That's really fast. Yeah, like at the height of my abilities, I think I was 58 correct words per minute. Um, I'm not a fat, I'm not a, I'm not a Jason Snell. I'm not a super fast typist. But anyway, I just recommend that. I think it's a very enjoyable show and I think it would be very useful. Anybody who's using iOS and wants to learn some stuff, uh, canvas episode on typing. And um, yeah. Do you have any other good tricks? Do you have good tricks for iOS?
1: Well, one, did you you still do a lot of Siri? You used to do a lot of Siri. I still do a hand. uh, I mean, anytime that I I, I just can't. Uh, I can't type for some reason like if I'm carrying something or if I'm just even in the office I will use the dictation part and I don't know whether to call that Siri or whether that's like a separate
0: you, you like You mesh on the microphone and talk.
1: Yeah I'll hit the microphone and I will I will just speak into it in the context of an email or a text message. I do that all the time. I do that way more than, than asking Siri for information or to do things for me. It, it, I, I find that the, but the text-to-speech stuff is pretty it's com- good. It's, com- it's
0: come so far, and and the thing is, if it's like if you have to write two sentences that like exactly, really, pretty much exactly the kind of sentences you would type in a text message to somebody, I I am su- often surprised that I don't do it more often because when I do it, it's usually it works almost flawlessly with maybe the need for one edit, and it's easily twice or three times as fast as typing it for me. Yeah, yeah. And it's I, worth trying. Yeah,
1: I would definitely say it's proofread if you're using if oh, yeah. you're using it uh, you, sent, you sent some funny text from your car <laughs> yes that is a, an accurate statement so I think I think it's 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 very good but proofreaded anyway there are some words that it it will get wrong consistently but it, I'm still super impressed with that feature I just love love being able to hit that microphone and have it just type something while I'm while I'm talking it seems like there is a character limit and when you hit the character limit or the word limit I'm not sure which It will sort of ding-ding at you, and and then you realize, oh, I'm—and then you can hit send. And there is a strange bug that I've run into, (laughs) though, where sometimes it will—you will be talking to it. You will watch it, typing the stuff that you've said. And then, right before your very eyes, uh, you will see it backspacing over everything that you've just said. And then it will retype all of it again— right in front of your eyes again. And so this this happens of course at the most inopportune moment, right when you're about to hit send on an important message, but uh there's so just be, you know, use it but but don't don't 100% rely on it to be perfect. But I love I love that feature. That's a big iOS feature that I I still love. But as far as the keyboard stuff, there's one thing that I saw when when people were talking about the iPad Pro and they're saying there's this great iPad Pro feature you can do it on the iPad Pro keyboard, the Smart Keyboard hold down the command key and it'll show you all the shortcuts in the app. I'm like, well, that's just an iOS thing that's been around for a long time. But that's a really useful one if you're using uh, like a Bluetooth keyboard. or the, Oh, right. The smart... You get
0: like the like a heads up, right? You yeah, can, like, pop it,
1: up. a really cool like pop-up heads up display that'll show you all the command keys because the command keys work. They're not a one-to-one with macOS 10. So if you're used to certain like send mail on, on mail app, I think is like shift command D or something. They won't necessarily work the same, but there are, there are a handful of really useful shortcuts on iOS that if you're using an an attached keyboard. So are you still using your iPad pro? Mm, I, I, (laughs) I found that I was just not using it really.
0: Uh, Yeah. I mean, we we could talk about that. I, yeah, I mean, I have it and I use it, especially when my kid steals, the other iPad to play a game. Um, but it's um I, I mean if I had to say what it comes to, uh, I've said this in so many places, I'm so sorry. But like the the I've tried so hard to make this thing work, but the way the uh, a primary way that I use that is laying in bed or on the couch, mm-hmm. holding it in portrait mode. And the, the two things that still trip me up are the fact that the, the buttons, especially for web views, a lot of the buttons for interacting on the iPad are at or near the very top of the screen, which is not where I'm holding it. I'm right. holding it. It's 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 and you know I know the big benefit of uh, this is how big it is, but to to balance this thing, you know, it's you you really need to get a good grip at the bottom, and so to like hit done for a web view in Overcast, I've got to like it's not I mean, it's not the end of the world. It's you know it's not like being in a gulag, right? But you just have to go to the top of the page and interact with that. While at the same time, I find the typing in both landscape and um, portrait to be excruciating, unless you are using it at a desk. In which case, I would just rather use a computer. Yeah, I find the typing. I, there's just I, I think I said this last week, but like so many of my words have commas in the middle of them, or what I think I hit a space and I didn't. So maybe bad on me for not typing better, but you know it could just be my baby thumbs. But I don't. I I can't type with confidence on a, a device that large. Right. So maybe it's not a good fit for me. But, yeah. you know, watching movies and listening to music, you know, uh, again, being able to like be uh, in the car or a hotel room or the, just off in the kitchen, I don't need a Bluetooth speaker, man. You can just crank that thing up and it sounds fantastic. It sounds
1: really good. Really, really good. No, I, I actually, my wife has had an iPad Air, uh, not a two, I think just a regular iPad Air for a while. And after I realized I, I wasn't going to be using the iPad Pro, I said, hey, do you want do you want to try this? So she's in trial mode with it right now to see if it... If with the it, Pro. With the Pro to see if it oh, okay. sticks because she, a lot of the time, I mean, she'll have it on the table or on the countertop in the kitchen and not holding it the way that you're kind of describing. And for me, like, if I can't hold the device that I'm reading in, in one hand and sort of hold it for an extended period of time, and that's what I found out with the iPad Pro, it's just like you're saying, like, if, if I wind up having it on the desk a lot, then okay, I just want a MacBook. But... She may, it may work for her. So I will, I, you know, I will let you know.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, it's also funny because, um, I mean, I, 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 I'm not saying I would like run out and get the small iPhone that's supposedly coming out, Yeah. but it, it is an interesting thing that, you know, my wife has the big iPhone and she really, really likes it. Yeah. So her old iPad mini is now mostly a sit on the couch Pinterest kind of thing. Oh yeah. And she really uses her phone a lot and she's great at it. Um not only is that phone way too big for me. The the 6s is big. It's, yes. I don't I don't mind it, but like this is something a lot of it's so funny. There's it feels like there's these two camps that I don't think this needs to be seen as a contentious thing, but there are these camps where like, you know, there are the people and like a lot of my friends are the, you know, oh, you know, you gotta have the 6S Plus, And like they can't imagine ever having anything else. And then there are these other people, like me, who will just see the 5S, old 5S sitting around. 5S is my favorite design of an iPhone. Me too. It's to me, it's like a piece of art. Um, I mean, to me this the 6S is is pretty and interesting in a way that the first iphone was but the 5s is is gorgeous and it's exactly the right size for my little white man's hand like it really it's great so there's this part of me that thinks you know i don't like i say i don't see i have bought a 6s so like i can't afford to like go just buy phones right but like I, i think there is a silent plurality not a majority. I think there's a lot of people out there that it, when they see this thing come out and hold it in their hand, if it, you know what? If they could make the make that take that functionality, they're going to supposedly put into this SE and put that into a form factor that was like the 5S. To me, would be a no brainer. Like I just, I really like the I like the squariness of too. the 5S. Me
1: too. I like everything about the 5s better than the 6s except for those new features except for the features yeah <laughs> but, uh, but i mean as yeah. a form factor and everything else i just i so miss having the 5s it was great and what's
0: your what's your slugging percentage on hitting the sleep button without turning up the volume uh, all the
1: time every time it's I 60 to
0: 80 thing. percent of the time i turn up the volume when i want to turn off the every phone. time every time yeah and, and i know, d- i just <laughs> you know my mode, right? I'm trying to be forward thinking these days. So I keep thinking like, I'll eventually get better at this. But uh, not only do I still find myself sometimes reaching for the top of the phone to to sleep it. But I, I, I because that's where you put the opposable thumb to make the squeeze. <laughs> yep. But yeah, so I don't know. That's all interesting. and But you know what? What a, what a great time to have these options.
1: No, it really, yeah, I mean, that's a great point. It's really a great time to have this stuff. And I'll tell you, I I have been, I love, I used to be, a, a desktop computer kind of guy. And I transitioned to uh, using a laptop as my main machine and like plugging it into a screen yeah, when I'm right. going to be in a, in a place for a long period of time. Was so that was I, that usually a MacBook pro? Yeah. And, and that's what I use right now. My main machine is a MacBook pro 13 inch retina. And it's, I don't think it was the very first one to come out, but I got it shortly after that. And this was another situation where something happened, and one of my kids spilled a drink on it. Also, and I took it and got the screen replaced, and that was out of warranty because I'd had it for a while, and because they can detect water damage and all this stuff. They're like, "Well, it looks like moisture got into it somehow." I'm like, "Really? Is that
2: you?" Don't what? say
1: you don't say. That's interesting. We don't have moisture how that in our happened. home. Yeah, that couldn't have happened in. in Are you my sure house. you didn't do that in the back? <laughs> <laughs> they but it cost i mean it was expensive hundreds of dollars, and i said well if i'm gonna if i'm gonna spend the money to fix this, then i'm not going to be in a hurry to replace it, but now it's really starting to show its age i've been waiting for several years, many years to replace this now, so i'm like and I joked on twitter i said i'm I think I'm the only living human who's more excited that they might announce a new MacBook pro than uh, a new iPhone or an iPad because i'm pretty happy with my iPhone and my iPad until they and then you know, like I can't, I can't justify getting a new iPhone. I just got the iPhone Success, I like know. you. I know, but I'm really yeah. hopeful. It is, it is definitely time for me to get a new uh, MacBook if they have one.
2: Hmm. I just don't want
1: them to get put that new keyboard on it. Oh, yeah, I don't want that.
0: Yeah, who was talking about this? You know, I think it was probably Gruber and John Moltz were talking about this. I think on the talk show, but you remember for the longest time. Uh, the the opposition, not the opposition, but the the big decision was: Are you going to go all in on a desktop? Usually, you know, a Mac Pro, which was not you know it was costly, but not prohibitively expensive to have like a really nice Mac Pro that you're going to use for five years or whatever. Or like, are you going to go with a laptop? And uh, for those of you who aren't in your late 40s, th- there was a time when that was a that was a pretty big decision. Oh yeah, because you we, yes, you could still have a pretty good sized hard drive in one of those. You'd have your optical drive. You'd have, you know, all the ports. Like my last MacBook Pro was amazing. Like, you know, it still worked like a computer. It had ports and stuff. And um, it was very usable for lots of different things. But, you know, there was a time when that was a a big decision. And now today, I've talked about this in a whole bunch of different places. I I have this really rough theory that for most Apple users, people who are ardent Apple enthusiasts, um, you know, obviously those people own one Apple device. I think the interesting question is, what is your second uh, your your second primary Apple device. Oh, yeah. Right? So, I mean, in most cases, for a lot of us, that's going to be a phone plus something else. Because, uh, you know, most people, I think, have an Apple people. Like, the iPhone is something most Apple people have. But so, like, so are you going to get a big iPhone and then mostly use your desktop? Are you going to have, like, a little iPhone yeah. and get an iPad? Like, do, do you really need a 6S Plus and an iPad Pro and a Mac Pro? No.
1: I, mean, I, 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 can't, I can't imagine that there's really someone out there that needs that much. Well,
0: it's an interesting time, and this is, again, something Gruber has talked about. I think it's a very interesting idea, is that it has it, there's never been a time where it's this confusing to say what's going to be best for somebody to buy. Because there are so many SKUs and so many options, and there's a lot of subtlety. If you have more than one device, and I realize this is a, the ultimate first-world problem, but you do have to be somewhat canny about thinking, well, you know, how will these work together? And it used to be, maybe Marco said this, but you know, it used to be that you could say to somebody, hey, if you got the money, like buy the nicest MacBook Pro you can afford mm-hmm. and it will serve you well for several years. But I don't think it's really quite that simple anymore. And, and with iPads, that is very much true. Like what you choose with an iPad, like, you know, I've been using this iPad Pro for several months now and I keep hoping that it'll stick and become my favorite device ever. But, you know, it, it hasn't. And it is it is technically the best one you can get. I And lots of people love it. Like, you know, what Serenity Caldwell does with a pencil on the uh, iPad Pro is crazy. Like, it's so great for her. It's so perfect. Those two things together are great. But, like, for me, it's like, mm, I don't know. It's it's an interesting time.
1: I agree. I, I think it is an interesting time because there's many choices. There's a lot of choices. I won't say there's too many choices. But I wish that, you know, for, for me... Like the big part of it, I think, and a lot of people come down to it is like, what do you use when you travel? And if you're not, if you're lucky enough not to ever have to like write code or deploy a site or something like that, or or even need to monitor those things while you're gone and potentially do that kind of a work, mm-hmm. then I, you know, it, on the times when I know I won't or when I anticipate that I won't, I can just run with an iPad two, the or you know, iPad Air two the whole way, mm-hmm. and I like that because it it's a wonderful place to write the apps are nice and big the screen is great you can watch a nice movie on it the battery lasts a million years all of those things are the biggest things that i find that i need when i'm traveling if you know if i want to do email it's right there if i want to look at a google spreadsheet like i can do all that stuff and of course you know what can't you do well if you're like a coder you can't do it if you're a podcaster and don't don't talk about ferrite as a solution there's so much that it can do, but still, you don't get plugins. You don't get all the tools that you need if you're used to editing and logic or something like that.
0: Like, ferrite, ferrite is like trying to be a chef with a camp stove. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you, you can't, it's a super interesting experiment. It's amazing what you can do if you're willing to, like, you know, add 50 asterisks to it, but we're not there yet.
1: Right. And I think it's a wonderful attempt, but, like, there are a whole lot of things that that pers- a person who's really editing a podcast, you want to do those those, you know... Post production kind of tweaks. Like, there's a lot that's not there yet, but still, like, the idea of throwing this tiny little device in your bag that you don't even have to think about it. You don't have to worry if it's charged or not. It's got hours and hours and hours of charges. It's such a compelling thing. Mm-hmm. But I found that, you know, like, everyone complains about the seat backs and tray tables and things like that. And you can just put an iPad on that. You can hold the iPad. It doesn't even, you know, prop it on the on the the armrest. There's so much you can do with that that makes it a compelling device, but as soon as you get like you said earlier, as soon as you get into the size of the iPad Pro, it uh-huh. becomes such a, it, it, the requirements of that, whether it's weight or size or whatever, are the same really as a as a, a MacBook of some kind or other. And I think there's a lot of people out there who have looked at the regular MacBook and they have said, gosh, this this thing it has just the one port that's not going to work. It's got this new keyboard, I don't like that. There's a lot of people who are resistant to that. And and I think that's going to be a very interesting potential announcement for Apple to come out with because these are, they're making the big decisions now they're, they're going to determine who will be able to get that. I I can absolutely see Apple doing something with a 13 inch MacBook pro where they're like, well, if you know, if you want more ports like this, this machine, are they going to give that to you? Are they going to take it away? Are they going to add the USB-C port? And use that for power and encourage you to start shifting everything away from these other ports and give you just one of the other ones on it. Like, right, that's, right. that's what we're going to find out. Are they going to give us that new keyboard and say, you know what? We came out with this new keyboard on the MacBook and everyone just loved it so much. We needed to put it oh, on the yeah. MacBook Pro. And You've always wanted to feel like you're typing in gelatin. I hate the new keyboards. I, I do not have very strong opinions about keyboards anymore. I've kind of let that go, but mm-hmm. I know I don't like that new one. At all. Well, like
0: right now, I've got this DOS keyboard that I that I use for for most stuff that I that I really like a lot. It's a clicky keyboard. Uh, I don't feel the need to. De- Defend that to people, but that's what I like to type on. So, like, right now, when I'm doing a podcast, it's funny because you listen to old episodes of this show and you can hear me on my old DOS mm, keyboard.
1: I remember those makes days. It's quite a racket. Yeah.
0: Actually, that was before the DOS. That's back when I had, what was the other one called? I forget. But anyway, I've had like three of these clicky keyboards. But like, right now, I'm typing on this Logitech because I'm on a show and like all the trade offs are fine. Like, this, I could type on this Logitech all day long and it would be fine. But it's, it's these are not costly decisions. Like, if I'm going to type, I'd rather be on that keyboard. But this is a trade off that I can handle for an hour and a half. It's It's not terrible, but you know, it's, I don't know. It is, it's so interesting also because the only way you can make, as far as I know, uh, the only way you can make Mac apps or iOS apps is on a Mac. It's like, you know, whenever people wonder like, what's the future of Macs going to be? Well, if you want to have apps for your iPhone, you better still have Macs. So, you know, it's another one of those things where you're kind of going like, which way is this going to turn? It's felt like for like two I mean, even since before the, the the trash can Mac Pro, there's been this feeling of like, which way is this stuff going to pivot? Like, yes. W- what's the commitment going to be on a high-end desktop computer? What's the commitment going to be on like, what are you going to do with the Mac Mini? Like, my God, what is happening with this? Like, everybody's dying to get, you know, a Mac Mini that'll do stuff. Everybody, I mean, it's been wait, a, a wait status on Mac Rumors for like 10 years now. There's never been a great <laughs> day to buy yeah. a Mac Mini. And, you know, and now people are talking about how like, you know, if you've got a Mac Mini from 2012, that's actually more useful and upgradable than ones you buy today, which is kind of crazy for what that needs to be. And then, you know, so there's all these different things where this ecosystem has so many weird connections that it makes you feel uncomfortable about committing in some ways. You know, just just out of, I don't think it's an abundance of caution. I think it's just like you want to be a savvy consumer. And I don't know, I've had a couple friends who bought a Mac Pro and ended up selling it to buy an iMac because it did more of what they needed to do. If you're doing stuff with media... You might do better with an iMac.
1: I, I, I've heard the same story over and over again. And there are, again, like back to what we were saying before, there are so many choices right now. And for a lot of people, it's really not clear. It's not there aren't that so many clear. obvious choices. Yeah, because there's so many people who have told me, oh, I went and got the big, you know, the 6 Plus or 6S Plus and it's replaced my iPad. Well, it's not, it's it's too big of a phone for me to carry around and it's not going to replace the iPad you know, for me, but now with the new iPads coming out that we hear, oh, they, the iPad air, it might not be an iPad air. It might actually be like a junior pro or something, uh, you know, and then we'll have a pencil and a smart keyboard with that. And I don't know, I think it's very interesting. And and meanwhile, here I am just hoping for a new Mac pro that doesn't, uh, doesn't get rid of all the ports. And I mean, MacBook pro that doesn't get rid of all the ports and doesn't have that terrible new keyboard.
0: Well, this might help to talk about the thing we're going to talk about. Yeah. So that's sometimes when I, I mean, I don't know. I understand why we all do this. Let's get one thing out of the way, which is that uh, this is not the most rational part of our brain, but I think there is a part of our brain that once having committed to something, we are now going to perpetuate and seek out information that shows that we made the right decision. I think that's a very natural thing to do. Don't blame me. I voted for Bush. Like whatever it is you do, you feel the need to like make everybody see what you made uh, as the right decision. And there's times when I I hear people spouting this party line about how everybody's doing it wrong. And it almost sounds like they're saying like, I invested in a very large platinum spoon and now it's all I need for the kitchen. (laughs) I bought this. No, it was it was four hundred dollars, but I'm really glad I got it because it's big enough. It's I I probably will never need a spoon this large again. I certainly don't need one this high quality, but it has enough of an edge that I can cut butter with it and use it as a spatula. And like I don't know why anybody else wouldn't want the large platinum spoon. And it's like, well, you know, sometimes I want I actually like the little spoon. That, that costs 25 cents that, that's a uh, that does a quarter teaspoon mm-hmm. oh this does quarters teaspoons you just need to measure it out correctly in the platinum spoon and it's like well you could come up with a reason for anything but why begrudge people their choices you know because just because you feel the need to like and i may i'm doing a straw man here but i feel like i get that a lot where it's like especially with these 5s plus people or 6s plus people like we're like it's a cult they like they just can't understand why anybody would not want a phone that large and like that's, and if it is right for you, I'm not being disparaging. Like, like I say, my lady loves hers; so She's crazy about it. But, you know, just because you bought the platinum spoon doesn't mean that somebody else, you know, is, is a dingling for wanting something else.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I, maybe that's the take. You know, I think it's relatively easy for Apple to make these iPads and iPhones in different sizes now. I mean, I'm saying easy within the context of a company like Apple. It's not a huge Herculean effort for them to come out with an iPad in three different sizes. Like they can they can do that. So they're going to make them all, you know,
0: I just always think about the skews,
1: not to be all like, <laughs> no, I know there's a lot Tim of skews, Cook, but yeah.
0: like when you really think about every iteration and I, you know, the nerds do this math, but the civilians don't always do this math. We say, why don't you just X like, you know, the Homer's car phenomenon? Like, why don't you just X? Like, why don't you make the platinum spoon the way I want? Can I get a platinum spoon, but with like a different case or with this much of long of a handle? I like my platinum spoon, but I'd like it to have a, a one foot handle so I can use it to open doors. Uh, okay, well, the thing is, like, you think about, there's a model of the phone, right? There's the form factor size. Right. There's how much uh, memory it's got on it. There's what color it's in. In some cases with iPads, you've got Wi-Fi versus Wi-Fi plus cellular and so let's use a little bit of sixth grade, you know, math to multiply those and figure out how many different things they have to keep in stock now. So if somebody walks in and wants the very large spoon with the three inch handle that's in, that's in silver and has a U2, faces of U2 on it, like how many of those do we keep in stock? That's a complicated problem. And that really, that can really screw with your supply chain. Okay. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to us down in this. Two, two more quick things and then I want to hear about something you like. Right. Or actually one more quick thing. Two more quick things. <laughs> um, something else I learned about from Federico Vitici, I'm very happy to hear You know I'm a big fan of Editorial, the iOS app for text editing and doing lots of great stuff. Uh, Ole Zorn, I think is his name. I I know that's his name. I just I need to learn how to pronounce it. But he makes Pythonista. It's kind of his premier app, and he also makes Editorial, which is my go-to alongside Drafts, which I use for different reasons. My go-to app. He just has released a beta that I am now begging for for a new version of Editorial that now uh, it's updated for iOS nine includes stuff like split view. Mm -hmm. So I'm just very excited that that's that he's back on that. And I'm very excited about that. So don't give up on editorial. Like it's still out there. And just another thing I wanted to mention in passing, cause I've been thinking about drafts and they were talking about drafts on connected this week, drafts, the app by agile tortoise for doing quick text entry and then doing stuff with the text. Uh, boy, the betas of that are just dynamite. It, pff, Greg is so dedicated to this app and just constantly updating it. One thing I just want to mention, if you're using drafts, there's something I want to suggest. It's a non-obvious feature of drafts that I want you to check out. Um, Go into Drafts and you'll see one of the settings in Drafts is for you can go and basically, you know, there's an action for Drafts that's accessible on iOS, I guess, 8 and 9, but especially iOS 9. You have the ability, if you're somewhere, to take content and send it to Drafts from where you are. On the face of it, this seems like a really neat idea for being able to just create a new text file from some ad hoc information. That is true. This is good. But what a lot of folks don't know is you can go in and there's a fairly simple but pretty powerful thing called the Capture Template where you can go in and you can use little tokens to set up what and how you want it to capture. So in my case, the one that I've created creates a markdown link using the title of the page and the URL of the page. It adds a couple line breaks, adds a greater than symbol, and takes whatever selected text I've selected and turns it into essentially a markdown block quote. So that's pretty cool, right? So you can be on a page, select some text, hit the extension. You can go create a new drafts document, a new snippet-ish thing from what you selected. Right. What some folks might not know is you can also append to an existing notes file. So, for example, when I'm prepping for a show and I can't get to a computer, I will frequently just add a whole bunch of links to something. So what you, it's kind of neat, though. So however you decide to set up that format, I set it up as bullets. Oh, I should have mentioned there's also a bullet at the beginning, so it can basically add, make a bulleted list. But you're on a page, you select something, ding, you select what you want that to be added to, and now you are appending a la Quicksilver or a la What's the command line? Doesn't matter. But you're basically adding to the to the bottom of that buffer. You're saying go add this thing to the bottom. It's a great way to capture stuff. It's built in with drafts, and it's non-obvious, but you should totally check it out. It's a life hack.
1: Yeah, you know something else. I forget if it was you that was tweeting about this, or you know what it was. No, it was not you. I'm confusing you with, and you, you know the the uh, you'll see why. Apple has a new Twitter. Now. Mm -hmm. it's like their support and their one of their tweets was did you know that inside the notes app you can make little bulleted lists and i i thought maybe you told me about it on the show and i make checklists yes you can make checklists not bulleted lists thank you yes checklists inside of the notes app have you told me about that and i i heard it and then just never retained that or did you not know about that either because that is a huge thing
0: yeah i mean i use it all the time um how hilarious is it? There's all these things where you're like, oh, that's really obvious, but it's not obvious to people. It wasn't to Just me. like it's not obvious. I can't tell you how many people I know who are like huge users of iOS who don't realize how much you can do combining Siri with reminders, for example. I say that over and over because every time I mention it, somebody goes, I had no idea I could just add a reminder using Siri or I could add to a note. So you can, you can append to a note with Siri. You can append to a note using the iOS extension. Yeah. So like, like I say, when it's time to start thinking about Christmas shopping or stuff to do, if you have a note that's called Christmas list, if you're on a page in Safari, you can add that to a given note yeah. without having to go and copy and paste it. And it makes a little beautiful little card that drops it right in there. The one that I use four times a week, I'm on a page in Safari on my phone. I hit the Ahoy telephone button yeah. and I say, remind me about this page tomorrow at 9 a.m. And it takes a little screenshot of that, grabs the page, grabs the URL. And now tomorrow morning, that will remind me, all I have to do is click the Safari icon and it will take me right into that thing. So yeah, there's all kinds of things like this that I think that kind of, a lot of that got hidden in that release, I guess of iOS 9, when there was so much great little stuff, like they weren't all like marquee features. But uh, there's, you know, it's always hard to tell from watching a keynote how much will endure. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot. I mean, I think extensions are one of the best parts of iOS right now. I use it all the time. I mean, and I'll, I'll actually, now that this works, I will frequently go in and rearrange the icons like per app based on what I'm, you know, using it for. Usually open in Safari will be one of the, the very first one for me is always Instapaper. i uh, add this to Instapaper. Another one will be open this in Safari, uh, run a workflow on this, all that kind of stuff. But it's, that's another one of those, like, I guess it's a power user feature. I don't know how many people. Rearranging orders. Well, just hitting the share button, yeah. which used to be, what, post this to Facebook or Twitter. Right. And now there is so much stuff. And you may not know unless you go in and explore, scroll all the way to the right, hit the dot, 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 and go look at how many things you could send this to. Um, it's, it's pretty powerful. Once you, that is the gateway drug for doing sexy stuff on iOS, is realizing how much connection is in there um, in a secure way under the hood now where that used to be more of a hack with the URL callbacks and all that kind of stuff. That's all baked in right now. And it's worth going in, hit that little box with the arrow, and go look at how much you could be doing with stuff in there.
1: That's that's a a life hack. Hack it up. Could you tell me about something else that you like? I sure can. Let me tell you about Wealthfront. Our friends over at Wealthfront. It's an automated investment service with nearly $3 billion in client assets under management. They manage a diversified, continually rebalanced portfolio of index funds. And they do this in a very uh, low-cost and tax-efficient manner. And what this means in plain English is they make it easier for anyone to get access to their really sophisticated, diversified, long-term investment portfolios without high fees, without account minimums, all of these things that are traditionally part of a, a like a regular old-school wealth manager or wealth management company. So what does that mean, right? That means you can take... However much money you have to invest, 500 bucks, 5,000, 50,000, whatever, you can invest it. WealthFriend will automatically rebalance this for you so that when one index fund isn't doing as well, they move it out of that, move it into one that's that's starting to do better. They're on top of this so you don't ever have to think about it. They've got really advanced uh, algorithms going on behind the scenes, they've got people making sure that this stuff works correctly they don't charge any trading commissions and it's completely free for accounts normally under 10,000 but because you're a listener of this show 15,000 bucks so the first 15,000 bucks that you invest it's going to be free once you cross that it's only 0.25% per year no hidden fees none of that stuff and and that's where you're going to lose a lot of money if you go with something more traditional and this is the way people want to invest like i don't have time to like study index funds and study the stock markets and watch all the trends and stuff that's happening. I just want to say, look, here's some money. I want to retire one day. One day, I'd like for my kids to be able to go go to college. How do I just make that happen without investing a lot of time in it? I just want to say, here, and throw some money at that when I can and know that that's going to grow and know that it's going to be managed and not lose a fortune on fees. Wealthfront, that's how you do it. Wealthfront.com slash 5 by 5 that is a link to go to. It supports the show, but this is where you go and find out all the stuff that they do. And if you sign up with that link, Wealthfront.com slash 5 by 5 $15,000 will be managed entirely free of charge for life. You'll never pay commissions, no hidden fees. You won't pay any management fees on the first 15K. Very cool company, really great service. Go check it out, Wealthfront.com slash 5 by 5
0: uh, I've had a weird thing. Oh, Do you want to talk about Hound a little bit? I would love to talk about Hound. Can I first mention one thing? And I, I'm, I'm going to just throw this out. I'm not looking for anybody to be my, my mom or my tech support. But have you had any newish problems on iOS in the last few weeks with apps not launching?
1: I saw your note about that. I have not run into that issue I generally
0: assume pilot error on those things, except I'm
1: getting it on three
0: devices. And what, is there
1: one app in common or just all apps?
0: There are a few apps that I really, I, and who knows what heuristic this is. This could just be because these are apps that I launched and I noticed when they don't work. Um, so a couple interesting things. So what will happen is I'll be on a device and I click an icon. It's, it's, it you know, seems to start to load. And then I was going to say finder. Yeah. I'm, I'm back on wherever I was. So I click, click on the home and I can actually see a, an image, which I assume is the JPEG of like, or, you know, the image of whatever will last up on screen, Right. but I I can see it there. So I do the flip up to quit out that particular app. I try it again. Doesn't work, doesn't work, doesn't work. That's kind of weird. It's especially weird that that's happening on several devices. This, This has happened to me numerous times with Tumblr. It's happened with Instacart. It's happened with Postmates. It's happened with a whole bunch of different apps. And now here is the tinfoil hat part. And I don't have an exact number on this, but I, I can tell you that I, once I just tried this just for fun, because I know it's not supposed to work. Don't do this. Don't tell people this works. <laughs> I double click on the home. I go quit, 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 quit. I force quit, you know, or whatever you call it, a bunch of apps. Right, right. I, I, you know, I I swipe up on those apps. Um first first time I did it, I I just just for the sake of fun, I force quit maybe six or eight recent apps. And then the app launch
1: is fine That's sometimes weird. I'm sure there's other people listening to this who have run into this
0: i have I have a reckon on this that is purely a reckon, but uh and this again who this is a double heuristic because i have so- I have a lot of apps wherever possible, I use touch i d on an app because mm-hmm. um, it's usually a good reason to, and it's trivially easy to just deal with. but I yeah. have noticed that often one of the apps that I quit that seems to help that is whether that's 1Password or Canary or Mint or whatever, like, it seems like, I don't even want to speculate, but I, all I can tell you is that I have, in the last couple weeks, apps have not wanted to launch for me sometimes. And it used to be back in the day, that would be very rare. Of, of all the weird things that happen on iOS, it was pretty rare for a variety of different apps to not launch. I assume that's something, something memory. You restart
1: your phone. You yeah. restart your I was going to say, so I'm sure can, you've, you've attempted to restart. Oh, no, your no,
0: no. And that, that will always fix the problem. Right. But what's perplexing about this is that I can tell you i have i I don't even know how to use radar otherwise otherwise I would try to post this in a sane way. but what I can tell you is that when an app won't launch, I double click on the home button is that what it's called it's I little I call the little button call it the home button yeah you double click on that and you you can go kind of swipe up and force quit right. you know recent apps. I don't have an exact number. I can't tell you which one makes the difference, but I, can't, I, I can tell you for sure that force quitting all of them almost always works, but that's bananas. But if I force quit even just a few of those, then sometimes the app will launch. I know that sounds crazy because everybody who's smart in the Apple world tells you that that never makes a difference except that it sometimes makes a difference. I think there must, I don't know what, but there, there must be something. What could it be? I don't know what it could be because everything's sandboxed. It's not supposed to cause a problem. Right, that's true. And then yesterday I had a weird one. And I don't mean this to be complaining because actually I'm mostly pretty happy mostly with everything but iCloud right now, but uh, which I have to log into still quite a lot. But uh, I my control panel or control center wouldn't come up without a restart. Oh, that's strange. Which makes me wonder if it's something kind of related. I don't think it's touch related. It, what memory related, but like I got butt-tons of memory on all these devices, it's really weird. Anyway, just tossing that out there, and I'm not looking to do a pylon or a bitch fest. But if anybody has something similar and a plausible explanation for why it's happening, I, I'd like to hear about it. It's not driving me crazy, but you know, I don't like restarting the phone because you know, there's a certain amount of rain dance involved in that. And you gotta, you know, I wish I could just tell iTunes, like, you know, what iTunes, how about like clockwork? You ask me for my password to buy stuff once a month. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like right now it feels, I cannot tell you what triggers iTunes to ask to for my ask. password. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. It seems to be pretty much one-to-one with restarting the phone, which I guess makes sense, okay. right? Because like me, you figure you got somebody's phone, you you know, that makes sense. Um, sometimes I randomly get, go and do your two-factor authentication.
1: Right. And you know what? So, it seems like there's another for free apps versus non-free apps. I guess
0: so, but I've gotten this where I bought something on Apple TV. Apple TV seems to be a source of this, but even stuff like yeah, it could be free apps, but I basically I've gotten to where now this is this is where I am now is uh, I'm sorry, but this is this is a thing I've had to do. I now do a thing where as part of my it's like I'm the guy, I'm like Desmond sitting there with the keyboard in the in the pit because I know that I've got to do this to keep the 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 volcano magnet from blowing <laughs> up. I go into one password I touch ID in, I swipe, swipe right to grab my password for, you know, my, uh, you know, uh, iCloud. Uh, I go into iCloud, I click on the iCloud icon, I click on my name and it asks me for my password as I know it will. And I just, I've gotten in the habit of just doing that a lot. I've also gotten the habit now of like, before I do anything with apps, I just go and grab my other one, which I used to buy iTunes stuff. That's just the thing I do now because, like, it all almost always asks me, and I'm not sure why. So I don't. I'm honestly not trying to do this as a bitching thing, but like, you know what it is. This is a sanity check. We're like, I I don't think there's any way I could be screwing this up because of the nature of the system. But it, you know, and I'm not asking for oh yeah, Apple sucks. I agree. But like, if if in particular, if you've gotten the thing with iOS, especially for me in the last few weeks. Do oh, you think it could be a certificate problem? No, that wouldn't I, be it. I
1: don't see why, but I don't really know. I mean, like you're thinking like it could be an app signing thing and then, but wouldn't a reboot fix that?
0: Well, not on the Mac it didn't. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, just tossing that out. Mm. Okay. Is my side okay? You're a little roboty. Oh, not sound, super roboty.
1: You sound awesome.
0: Okay, good. Well, I'll send you the file when we're done. Oh, even better. Marker. Um, oh. Do you want to talk about
1: Hound? I would really like quick. to talk about Hound.
0: I don't have anything uh, interesting, provocative, or pundity. Well, I have some Okay, let me things.
1: just interject a statement. Yes, interject you there. Something that you can do on an Android device that you cannot do as easily or at all in some cases on an iOS device is you can pick an app and make that the the default app or in some cases the replacement app. So you can kind of do that with keyboards now on iOS 9, right? You can say, oh, I don't want to use this default keyboard that Apple made. I want to use this text expander keyboard or I want to use the swipe keyboard or whatever it is. It would be so great if you could do that with an app like Hound, even just to test with and say, you know what? I don't want Siri to be the voice responding app anymore. I want to be able to turn my phone not, you know, shut down off, but turn off the screen, have it sitting there and say, hello, I won't say the... the
0: Ahoy telephone.
1: Ahoy <laughs> telephone, but have it be for Hound instead. I know. And have Hound wake up and be able to talk to it and also give Hound or another app the kind of functionality that Siri has, such as sending text messages and calendaring and things like that, that only Siri has access to. So it's not as much fun to have to launch the Hound app to get at its really amazing functionality and intelligence, right? And I wish that there was a way to sort of swap that out and say, which intelligent voice assistant do you want to use? Do you want it to be Siri, Google, Hound? What do you want? You have choices. I want, I want those choices.
0: Well, yeah, I was going to skirt that because you know, as soon as I started talking a lot about Hound, uh, of course, people jump out of the woodwork to say, "Oh, I bet Apple's going to buy them," and I. I I don't, I don't have a thought so. on that. I don't, I mean, like, that seems like a pretty random thing to speculate about. Um, and, and knowing, I mean, I think there are many, probably of all the things Apple does, there are probably a lot of good reasons that they don't do that. Lots of good reasons. With that said, uh, I'm thinking about, I don't, I doubt that Marco invented this. But like, for example, we, you know, if you use, in my case, I use these animotic headphones that I, earphones that I swear by. And something most people know, if you've got headphones, whether that's the Apple headphones or whatever, you may know that, you can go to like theres one, one click does stuff, two clicks does stuff, and three clicks does stuff. And that varies by app. But for example, in, um, in Overcast, if I am listening to Overcast with my Ed emotics on, it's got the middle button on my headphones, right. earphones. Uh, one click pauses. Two fast clicks um, in my case, fast- forwards what? 30 seconds, 15 seconds, something like that, 30 seconds, I think. Triple click is one of my favorites. That's rewind 30 seconds. But another neat feature that I'm not sure tons of people know about is that there are clicks for like, let's say you want the traditional use of that click, which is next or previous. Mm -hmm. You can do, I think it's short click, long click will take you to the next track. That's pretty neat. It's pretty nerdy and certainly not something that you want to, you would want to hand Uncle Joe when he gets his first iOS device. (laughs) But I'm thinking when you're on and like, if you were going to do this one interesting way to do this is so right now if you're on your unlocked iPhone somewhere and you click once it takes you to the first page of apps. The homepage? What do you call that? Is that called the homepage? Yeah, I think so. Um, You click twice and you pop into the little switcher mode where you can go change to a different app. I think triple click is an accessibility feature. I should find
1: out. But I think triple click is reserved that's the invert colors high really? contrast thing, isn't it?
0: If you have it turned on, I guess. Yeah. But to me, like, I, I'm interested. What if, what if, just for the sake of argument, if they were going to implement this, at the very least an app, but even especially like, a, like a, a command, I know they would never do this, but wouldn't it be cool if you could do short, short, long, like go click, 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 and that would turn on how? It could be a super nerdy like that. hidden feature. I can understand why they wouldn't, wouldn't want to do it for a variety of reasons. But like, could, could we do more with that home button, that omnipresent home button that's always there? Like no matter where you are, you go click, 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 and that turns on Hound and starts listening. I know it's not possible, but like that's my dream world. That'd be pretty nice. But let's talk about what Hound is. Yeah, what is Hound. Well, something that, uh, I don't think this episode has come out yet, but something Jim and I talked about recently on Downrop Report is I'm, I am once again, once again, super interested in (laughs) (laughs) my empirical furiosa. (laughs) If it were to use Siri correctly, it helps understand what it wants to hear. Um, you, um, (laughs) (laughs) now, 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 Tom Hardy from Bronson, um, So, uh, I'm excited by voice stuff and it's another forward thinking Merlin is very excited in a way that, 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 uh, the the grumpy Merlin from a few years ago would go like, this is never going to work for anything. Why would you want to talk to your TV? But like between the Amazon Echo, which is bananas and the, uh, and Siri on my phone and on my TV, I'm very interested in where this stuff is going. And so I'd played with Siri. I've, I've used Siri a lot. And I, I mean, again, I'm a, something of a minor evangelist for Siri in that, as I will say on here every once a month or so, hey, if you haven't used Siri since it came out, really give it another try. And my go-to for that is start, start setting reminders and timers because there's no easier way to do it. But then you got Google Now comes along, or I guess that's, what's that called on Android? Just Google. Yeah. Well, what's it called on, on Android? Because it's
1: baked into Android, it's right? It's just you say, well, I mean, you say, okay. oh hey oh, Google. Yeah.
0: And then, um, and you, by the what, way,
1: the Google app on iOS does the same, same and when it's thing. open. Yeah, when, when, it, it's open. when it's open
0: when it's and it is pretty great. Something uh, Gruber has talked about a lot is that wow, the you think dictation is good on iOS? You can basically just speak into the location bar in the Google app, and it's really good. And and for a long time has been super fast, super faster. And and so here is the thing with Siri: Siri pretty good. Well, Siri's pretty good at lots of capture stuff. It's pretty good. And it's gotten, it's pretty, pretty, pretty good. It's gotten better over time. But there's only so much it can do with context and what I will call pivoting. So for example, on Siri, you can say, how's the weather? And then at follow up by saying, I think you can then say like, what about tomorrow? And it understands that that means you're still talking about weather where you are. But you can't really have a conversation with Siri for too long before it gets confused and sends you to Bing. Right. And so there's a new kid on the block that I think we all, many of us saw the demo for this a while back. And it's like watching that park demo of like a mouse, like for the first time, where like you're going, like, what does this thing do? Because in this demo, that this guy is just talking into this device like faster than any of us, even me, like speak normally, and asking it for completely bananas things. Do you, remember, did you ever see the demo? The Hound I, demo back I, in the day? No. Oh, it's really. It, it came out like last year. It was basically this, this guy going like, you know, give me the population of uh, Denmark and the cost of Bitcoin and how many calories are in a burrito and what's the gross national product of Russia in 19... And, and you go like, oh, okay, that's hilarious. And then it goes, but the population of Russia, blah, 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 and it right. gives it all like straight back and you're like, what just happened? That's, well, obviously, that's got to be like a, a jokey thing they set up to like have it, you know. Right. But no. It just works. And so, well, and so, you know, I guess what I'm getting at is, uh, so SoundHound, which has, has been my go-to what song is playing app for a long time. I used to like Shazam. I have found SoundHound to, Sound to be better than Siri and Shazam for a while. Your mileage may vary. But SoundHound, after apparently nine years of developing this app, put out this app uh, called Hound and made it available, I think, last week. And Hound is a personal assistant app that is available for multiple platforms, including iOS. It's a free app. And it will be very familiar if you've used Siri. You can ask it things. And um, I don't mean to monopolize this, but uh, Hound is really good at getting what you said really, really fast, doing surprisingly complex things, and then shooting the results back to you very, very quickly. And then... Letting you pivot on whatever it is you just asked uh, jump in here
1: well, I was just going to say that that's the best way I've heard to explain it, and pivot is the right word for that, so you can you can say uh, you know whats what's the weather in New York today and it'll tell you and you say how many people live there and it'll it'll tell you and it that kind of chaining of questions that's more like the way a human being thinks i think than the way a computer would naturally think so whatever they've done behind the scenes to enable that that's pretty cool and i saw your tweet you're like what actually prompted me to want to really try it was you're like show me pictures of this and and what was the thing right right
0: well siri will do that too but it was (laughs) like I was like show me pictures of hamsters on videos of hamsters on obstacle courses and somebody pointed out to me correctly That actually, yeah, you know, Siri will do that. Can can I do the crazy example just for fun? Yeah. So here's one example is that that like, like Dan's saying the pivoting. So I won't won't do this. I won't drag this out, but here's, here's an interesting one. Um, How's the weather?
2: The weather is 54 degrees and partly cloudy in San Francisco.
0: What about Manhattan? The
2: weather is 60 degrees and clear in Manhattan.
0: What's the population there?
2: The population of Manhattan is 1,487,536.
0: How many miles away is that?
2: The distance is approximately 2,568 miles to Manhattan.
0: <laughs> That's pretty awesome, isn't <laughs> okay. it? Can I, can I just, can you bear me out? This is one from their examples, but can I do the crazy one? Yeah. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> this If we get this wrong, it's going to be my fault, but let's give it a try. You ready? <clears throat> what is the population and capital of Japan and China and their areas in square miles and square kilometers? Also tell me how many people live in India and the area code for Germany, France, and Italy.
2: The population is 127,288,000 for Japan and 1,330,044,000 for China. And the capital is Tokyo for Japan and Beijing for China. The area is 145,882 square miles and 377,834 square kilometers for Japan and 3,705,386 square miles and 9,596,959 square kilometers for China. The population of India is 1,173,108,018. The area code is 49 for Germany, 33 for France, and
1: 39 for Italy. Wow. It's pretty crazy, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, yeah, and, but you know what? Why shouldn't a computer be able to do that?
0: But, I mean, you can do it. You, you can do it so fast.
1: It's crazy. And the voice, by the way, Merlin has not sped up.
0: No, no, that's the, the, standard. You that's can turn the it, standard. You can slow it down, but that's the standard. Here's one. How many calories in a 12-ounce sirloin steak, a cup of peas, and five tablespoons of brown rice?
2: There are 809 calories in 12 ounces of sirloin steak, one cup of boiled edible potted peas with salt, and five tablespoons of cooked long grain brown rice.
0: is that weird? So, there's a lot going on there. Oh, yeah. And admittedly, you know, I don't know. I mean, and I've, I've tried the also tell me thing and several times where it didn't work, and I'm not sure exactly what the trick is for getting that to always work. But there are applications for this that I could see making a lot of sense. I mean, the primary one being like, once it understands what you're pivoting on pretty reliably, you can go pretty interesting places. Obvious things are like, you know, doing a tip. Like, you know, you could say like, what's 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 a 20% tip on $150 for six people, but Gene is cheap? And it would be able to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Those kinds of things where it could break that down very, because it really, it makes... I don't say it makes Siri look bad. Siri's amazing. And Siri does all kinds of stuff to like control your phone that this can't do. But I'm looking at this, I'm not looking at this as going like, oh gosh, I hope Apple acquires them. I'm just, this is a pure, I just like having it around. It's just a pure technological marvel for me that this works. And I don't know, it makes me, I, I think this is a, I think we've kind of turned, turned a corner with something like this. What parts? Well, the fact that you can speak really fast to this thing and be from the Midwest like me and it still understands it. Um, The fact that it understands like it's parsing, if that's the right word, it's parsing what these different things mean. Like like you heard in that crazy one we did. It understands Japan and China and population and capital and that it understands all those things. It breaks it into the right pieces. But then so basically this enables you to to have something like a conversation uh, in an organic way. You know, you can say things like, find me, find me cafes downtown with free Wi-Fi that are open after 7 p.m. Because they partnered with Yelp. They have over 100 partners. They work with, I don't mean this to be an ad for this thing, but like, if you've never been kind of amazed by what you can do with voice for reason A, B, or C, like have a look at this. Because if you're wondering where this is going, I think this is... A pretty amazing example of where this could go and is actually going right now now, is this baked into your phone? No, not right now, not right now, but like if you're wondering you know why Siri or why cortana or why Google now like I think that's incredibly powerful to be able to walk down the street, ask those questions i don't know
1: how far are we you know from being able to have an intelligent assistant that's a little bit you know there there's i feel like there's two stages. Of intelligence that we're kind of waiting for, and the first one is being having having something, whether it turns out to be Hound or Cortana or Siri, whatever, that can really do things on your behalf when you ask it to. Uh, We're pretty close to that, and your examples in previous shows of like what we can do with Siri, I think, are really good examples of that, such as scheduling things, trying out. There was two or three episodes where you really talked about everything that you've been able to do with, with Syrian and handing off tasks to it, asking it to schedule something, setting a reminder, all of that stuff. Then I feel like the next stage is having, and I don't know if this is the right term, but almost like situational awareness. Mm-hmm. I, I remember back in, in my uh, corporate days, there would always be somebody in, you know, an executive assistant who would be in the room uh, sort of taking notes. So, like, when people might say, "Okay, well, you know, why don't we set up a meeting for that?" and we'll make sure to get you know the the senior system, system administrator on, on board with that too. There would be a human being who would understand that you guys were now talking about scheduling a future meeting and might even manage your two schedules and set up the meeting for next week on Tuesday. You know what I mean? But, like, but
0: also, but also had the ability. Like think about this. to get the context of, of well it's co- the context but also like to understand that we're talking about fairly in a fairly granular way. This is a meeting we could schedule if everybody's available, right? And I'm getting from the head guy or gal that they don't actually think this is that important, <laughs> so maybe that's something we handle offline. But not just say like just because I heard a date like right now you get um, smart. Uh, objects or whatever it's called where right. you can like, I have, I have like my regular expressions tell me that this is a phone number. If you click it, you can do phone things. <laughs> right, right. But like, no, 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 stop. You know, it's like Patton Oswalt with, uh, with TiVo, no TiVo, stop recording all these Westerns. You said you like horses. It's like, no, stop <laughs> TiVo, stop trying so hard. But you, I think what you're, yes, what There's you're describing it though, just can
1: can kind of be listening all the time in, in a way that wasn't creepy, but You know, how often are you like, oh, man, I got I got to remember to grab the mail key on the way out today. I got to check the mail like something that would understand that something that would hear you kind of mumble that and write it down like, uh, you know, like like Jane in the Ender books and be able to uh, be able to sort of know that, well, it's about five. That's when Dan frequently leaves, and right. <laughs> I see him getting his stuff now, <laughs> so you know, he's moving toward the door, maybe I should say, don't forget your mail key, you know, that kind of thing. Like, that, it it sounds preposterous to suggest that that's something that, that uh, a phone or something could do, but we're really not that far away from that.
0: Well, and I mean, I, I, I want to say this once and get it out of the way. I'll try to say this once and get it out of the way. I understand that we all have Different values and different levels of tolerance for what we consider creepy. Yeah. And I, I think that's important. I think we all need to decide what those things are. And I, and my feeling or my intuition is that, you know, especially now and especially in for, for Apple nerds, like this is a huge value is you don't want the creepy things happening with your technology. And a lot of folks, I think, have a very understandable revulsion. To like, oh my gosh, your Amazon's listening all the time and it knows you want to buy purple panties or whatever. Right, right. I'm not, I don't mean to discount that, but for the sake of the, the discussion, I want to have. I don't want to have that discussion right now. Other people are having that discussion. I want a different discussion, which is let, let's just talk about what this could do. And let's talk about this in terms of just, just the technology and the place that it has. Um, and I'm not getting too technical here because I can't speak technically. You think about where stuff has gone so far with this. For a long time, you've been o- able to overtly tell a piece of paper or your phone, that you have an appointment on thus and such date, this is handy. So now, if you remember to look at your calendar, whether that's on your phone or on a piece of paper, you can now say, what do I have to do today? Then that's super useful. Boy, that's step one in becoming a better human is writing stuff down, that's really good. Uh, Now, a little bit, a, a fairly, in the end, or in historical context, a fairly simple improvement on that is to say, hey, what if you don't wanna have to remember that you've got that, that you wrote this down? Can, do you want me to set an alarm that tells you that you have this thing? And you say, yeah. Okay, well, that's hardwired. It will always tell you an hour before. All right, let's go to the next level. Oh, how would you feel? How about we give you an alarm, more than one alarm? Like, do you want to? Oh, yeah, I want more than one. Give me one five minutes before, but also tell me at seven o'clock the night before. So, so far, this is this is still like interesting technology, but there's nothing like revolutionary about that. Now, the ability to talk to my phone and say, you know, to basically create this event using just my voice and automatically add an alarm, that's pretty great too. But all the stuff we're talking about at this point is like overtly telling your device to capture a a thing right? And so jumping forward a pretty long way now, then you move into the last three or four years, three, four, five years where you've got stuff like geofencing. Hmm. And, you know, geofencing when it first came out, I mean, it still is, I think geofencing is still brilliant, but it is kind of a blunt instrument in some ways. It's a very powerful blunt instrument, but it's a blunt instrument. And geofencing is a way of saying, uh, excluding other kinds of automation, notice two kinds of things that happen. Well, let's say, well, the basic kinds of things with geofence are when I arrive somewhere or when I leave somewhere. Now, you put that alongside something like time and you make something very powerful, right? So you can say, for example, like my favorite thing to do with reminders is remind me to do this thing when I arrive at the house in three hours. Now, if I arrive home in one hour, it's going to set off the geofence and remind me. Right. Or if I'm anywhere else in the universe, in three hours, it will remind me no matter what. Belt and suspenders. That's all really great. And then you can look at stuff like OmniFocus or anything with geofencing base built in where I can say anytime I'm near this particular grocery store, give me a pop-up notification of stuff I need to do there. So to me, like that's kind of where we are now, where you can now bring in stuff like IFTTT or Wink or all these other things. But in each case, it's a Lego set for nerds to build this kind of awareness but there's not that much intuition going on. That's, I think that's what you're describing, yeah. is the ability. And I think Google does this pretty well for lots of things. Uh, Mike Hurley talked about this recently, that like Mike Hurley does not own a car. He will always use public transit or walking in London. And yet, every time he uses something on Apple, it asks him if he wants driving directions, which is great for privacy. Like Apple doesn't need to know if I own a car. But I kind of like the fact that Google learns how I things because then it can actually be more useful. but that's where we are now. now we're on the precipice of like getting into these questions of how much do we want to into it on our part and for myself, um, I'm fine with it taking what it knows about me and making some smart assumptions about m- what I might want. I, I I mean I don't want that to go somewhere crazy but I'm not terrified by the idea that it might say you haven't been into the gym in a while and you need to pick up milk and that's on the way so is that a thing you want me to put on the calendar right so we we go we go from the ability to capture to the ability to capture with uh, you know te- technological notifications to like being able to enter and do that automation through things like you know easy voice or gestures or things like that you know to i don't know to right now i think we're on the edge of something interesting but to, for something like Hound to do what it's really great at I don't know. I think you have to be a little bit open to the idea. You could just use it as is right now and it's very
1: powerful. Yeah.
0: But like, I think it gets even more powerful where it can go like, Oh, you know, actually in, in uh, the next six weeks, there's three birthdays coming up. You like to buy birthday gifts at Flax. You need to get your car serviced at the place near Flax. Like I don't find that offensive for it to go. Do you think you want to go to Flax next week? Mm -hmm. You have an open day here. So, sorry, that was a rant, but, but that, you know, I don't know. I, I, I hate to get bogged down because, you know, a million people are going to write and go, well, don't you think that's creepy? Yeah, I see how that's potentially creepy. But like everything seems creepy at first, you know,
1: (laughs) it's. Well, you know, it's it's making like Andy Anako says on uh, the Anako Almanac is that he's, you know, he's made this conscious decision to say, I'm willing to share this information with Google or Apple or whoever else. In order for the great benefits that it brings to my life, so that I it it can look at where I am and know where I'm going to be going typically at this time of day and tell me how long it'll take me to get there and tell me traffic conditions, you know, like I'm willing to share my location to get that information back. Mm-hmm. And you know, there there doesn't you know there is that there is that fear or that paranoia or that concern, whatever word you'd like to use for it, that these companies are inherently evil or bad or will do something evil or bad with our information or will give our information to someone who is evil or bad or someone who is evil or bad will be able to get our information without our permission from those companies and i think those are the conditions that that people are concerned about if you knew with absolute 100% certainty with a with a guarantee that could never be broken that any information you put on your phone or shared with your phone or shared with a company or service through your phone would be private forever and it could never be exposed. You know, that's what everyone wants. We want that kind of assurance. We want that kind of knowledge. But if we knew that, then there then no one would care about these kinds of things. And they would say, of course I want an intelligent assistant that could do that for me. Of course I want that. Everyone right. wants that. It's it's just getting over that hump of what could become of this information? And you know, and and be saying, "Well, my life is an open book. I don't need privacy." That's that's a dangerous thing to say, also for a lot of reasons, probably outside the scope of the show. But I don't know. I, I I I'm more more and more open to the idea of having some kind of thing listening. And I I when I first got the Amazon Echo, I got it very, very early. I was the first person I knew to have it. And I put up a a video of us using it in our office. It was kind of fun when it was only days old. We were some of the first people to have it. And, you know, even that was, I think, before Apple added the, um, the hello telephone thing to be always on on the phone. So it was before that,
0: which is, which is still not nearly as dependable as a, as the Echo. I agree. Uh, the Echo but, is
1: pretty bulletproof. Do you have the Echo in your home or is it in your office? I have
0: the Echo. It wasn't in my home. I currently have it at the office and I've pre-ordered the... The little new one? Dot or the dash? The little one that's less of a speaker and more of a... Smart, you know what I mean. We've got plenty of speakers at our house, but what we didn't have is the. I didn't. I didn't need the big tube at home, and right. I do like like the office. I use it for a Bluetooth speaker uh, almost as often as I use it to ask questions. Right. So it makes more sense at the office. But what's the little
1: one called? Uh, know, there is the an dot. Echo. The, there's the dot in the dash. There's a dot. Eighty nine bucks. Well, I don't know what the difference is. Well, so basically,
0: imagine things. you. This is really silly, but imagine you took an Amazon Echo and broke it in half. Yeah. So there's one half of it, which is a, a, a an okay good bluetooth speaker that i think has some functionality or imagine you just broke off the smart part the dash look, is
1: the uh, little button that you press the, the to order that's
0: stuff. that's what i that's what i got because I, I just want the smartness i don't need the speaker so it's got a little built-in speaker but it's got the smarts of amazon echo in something that's like i think approximately the size of an apple tv right, that's much more order. what i would want for home <laughs> so yeah and you got to pre-order it but yeah but yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird. I have mixed incredibly mixed feelings about this. But there's a part of me that gets a little frustrated with how we can't even I feel like we can't even provisionally discuss how, how interesting and powerful this thing is without first having this very earnest conversation about what it means for everything. And like I'm not against those conversations like and I'm really glad Apple's fighting the good fight on that stuff. That to me, that's where I want people standing up for me, is in like keeping that's that's, you know, if 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 you can't keep your phone secure, good luck with you know any of your smart devices. But anyway, and you know, there's smarter people than me thinking about all these things. I guess I don't want to be, I don't want to find myself grounded, or you know, um, I don't want to be held in technology detention for the rest of my life because of what something could be. And I'm not saying that bad stuff won't happen, but just worrying about everything doesn't stop bad stuff from happening. And to understand what kind of decisions to make with technology, I think it helps to understand what it what it's capable of doing. And if nothing else, it's just nice to be a 50 year old man who can still be completely blown away right. by what technology can do. You know, in, in a way that just it really I don't know. I, I I like that feeling. I still crave that feeling. It's like finding a new band that you're excited about. Like I've seen a lot of stuff come and go, and there's what maybe. Half dozen, a dozen technologies that have come along in my adult life where I've gone—that's actually incredible, and that's that's one of the things where I—not not to sound overly wowed by this, but you know, you see those demos, but then when you do it yourself, like it's pretty amazing. I don't know what's going to happen to it. I, I'm sure Apple can get better. I'm sure a lot of things are going to happen, but you could do worse than giving yourself a chance to just tour that app and see like what it's capable of, and now let your mind wonder what could happen with your devices because suddenly it is, isn't just some janky thing where you're talking to your Quadra and saying computer. You know, open teach text right. There's
1: a lot more to it now. I just love. I mean, I would be willing to give up the potential for losing some of that privacy in order to, in or in order to just be able to just kind of think about things and say them when it occurs to me, and have something listening that can. Take an action as necessary, or remind me to do something, or I just love that. I love the idea of of doing that, like you know, like a little assistant that's just standing totally. there with the with the contextual understanding and the intuition to to do it right.
0: Yeah, and it's 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 funny because there's certainly there's things down the line where like if your syncing is correct and your apps are logged in and everything is fine, your calendars will sync at this point, like pretty reliably, and that's that's actually a pretty big deal. That's come a long way, <clears throat> but you know that's been a semi solved problem for a while. Whereas like, I feel like the ability to say what I just described that remind me to do this and such thing when, you know, and this is another thing I don't mean to turn this into tips, but you know, you may, may not know, for example, I believe you can say, remind me to buy shampoo when I arrive at Walgreens in two hours. And in most cases that will then prompt you to say, okay, which Walgreens? It'll do a search. I don't know if people know this. It doesn't have to be home or work. Those are the baked in ones. But it can also do a geo search based on what you mentioned. You select the one you need, and which I don't consider a terrible hindrance. But that to me is like now that, that to me is just past the cutting edge. I feel I can pretty reliably say a reminder and it'll do it. Even calendar events, not perfect on Siri right now. If you say schedule yeah. a call with Dan tomorrow at 10 a.m., I frequently get into a loop where it keeps asking me which Dan I mean. Right. And because it wants to send the invite. Right. So that, you know, now at that point, and I understand that that's pretty complicated stuff. But I, I, why am I saying all this? Because A, it is amazing. It's just amazing to do it and watch it and go like, wow, what a crazy time to be alive that this thing actually works. But I think in order, in order to maintain something like a, an intelligent attitude about the future, it helps understand like, you know, what, what that might mean going beyond our own idea of how things work now, which is a constant struggle for me. And as you, as one gets older, it becomes more and more challenging to stay open and flexible about what stuff could do. So, you know, don't worry, you'll find plenty of reasons to be worried about everything. What you need to think about is the stuff that keeps you optimistic and interested and help you understand, like, there's a reason people aren't going to always do things like you've done it for 30 years. And I think you do, it does help you don't have to become a futurist. You don't have to just sit around and listen to interviews with Brian Eno. Like, but it doesn't hurt to keep yourself open to like, oh, okay. Even with my dumb understanding, like I can see how that could be useful. So I'm not just gonna scoff at every device that comes out because yeah. as reasons. Like sometimes it's useful to say, like, I don't need to go to every CES. I don't need to know all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But you know, why not let yourself be occasionally astonished by how great things are? I like that. You're in a chair flying through the sky. <laughs>
1: Dan, could you please tell me about something you like? How about GoToWebinar? How about it? How about it? Why not? I got to tell you. You know, we talked a little bit before about Igloo, and I think GoToWebinar has a, a very compatible sort of space in the, in in this concept that you're trying to make things easier. You're trying to streamline things. You're trying to make that thing that you do go more smoothly and you're tired of like looking out there for tons and tons of solutions. That well, if I want to stream this presentation that I'm working on to my clients or my potential clients or my business partners or people that you want to communicate with visually, well, you know, there's tools out there that you could use. There's a lot of tools out there that you could use, but none of them give you one solution where you can take the pieces that you'd like and integrate it. None of them, that is, until go to webinar. And, and that's, what they specialize in, a cost-effective way to reach your audience and generate potentially generate leads, strengthen the existing leads, work with your sales team, go and try GoToWebinar. And and here's here's how it works. You pick the topic that you want to talk about. Let's say you want to do a a sales pitch. Let's say you want to do a presentation. Let's say you want to have a meeting and people are out there and, and they're interested in this thing that you're doing. So you pick your topic, you select your audience, you schedule your event. But you do this all within GoToWebinar. It will automatically email everyone on your list. It'll send out reminders as your date approaches. And when it's time for you to present, you just hit record. You turn on your webcam. You share your screen. When you're done, you can post the recording online, invite anyone. Oh, you know what? You missed it. You couldn't attend. You didn't want to attend. That's cool. It's right here. You can go and download it. You can view it. You can see it online. You even get to practice beforehand. You can test your equipment. You make sure everything is up and running. And there are really great tools that help keep your audience engaged. There's on-screen polls, there's interactive surveys, there's real-time engagement feedback. All of this stuff lets you turn your list of attendees into like qualified, engaged viewers, sales leads for your sales team, you name it. They make it easy. The URL is go to webinar. GoToWebinar.com. You focus on the content. GoToWebinar Handles the Rest. Go check them out. Thanks very much to go to Webinar.com for supporting this program. Thank you go to webinar webinar it's really great
0: um we are going long mm, mm.
1: that's all right cuz we have mm. got to talk i th- i think we push through you want to sk- you want to skip the gtd and talk synology i do i we've got to talk about this synology this it's serendipitous <sighs> that you brought it up in the same space of of a week that andy was talking about andy, his, andy and, and was talking oh, about this okay. uh, synology as well he's got an older model than you have. And he, I guess last week, mid, mid week, he and I were talking about this and out of the blue, now you show up with one. Yeah. I'm
0: probably about the worst person you could talk to about this. Why do you say that? Well, um, because it's kind of an experiment. Okay. Uh, and I don't understand much of anything about any part of the technology except for kind of, why you'd want it and what it does. Right. So if, we, if you can accept those, those you know, giant novelty-sized asterisks and can put up with me using a lot of words that I don't understand and will probably get wrong, we'll get along just fine.
1: I like it. I'm there. I'm 100% in.
0: So Synology is, uh, it's like the wrapper.
1: It's a NAS. <laughs> Yo, you mm. mean a NAS? Yeah, it's a nomadic.
0: Network-attached um, storage. Right. So if you want to get to your stuff, from somewhere, you can get. You can put your stuff up in the cloud. You could. You can have it in the cloud. Mm. Yeah, it's like Grizzle. It's the cloud for your cloud. Um, you don't watch Parks and Rec, do you?
1: No, although you're one of about three thousand people who told me that I'm a moron for not watching it. So no,
0: it's, I don't think I ever exactly said that. Well, it, it was it implied. Pretty, it's pretty delightful. Um. So you want to get to your stuff from somewhere. You want to put your stuff somewhere. There's lots of different ways you can do that. You could put it on, uh, before there were clouds, there were what we called servers, which are incredibly different from the cloud.
1: Yes. Um, it's a different thing.
0: Dan, what's the difference? No one knows. It's the enterprise. It's not a company. It's the enterprise. That's right. It's not a company. It's a brand. Don't call it a company. Don't call it a company. So you want to get your stuff somewhere. You can put it up on somebody else's server somewhere, but there's, and then, and then, of course, there's things you can do with your stuff. There's things you can do to like use a back to my Mac type type thing for like remotely logging in via what's it called VNC? Yeah,
1: VNC. So, yeah,
0: with the idea being you've got stuff somewhere and you want to get to it from somewhere else. So if you don't need to do this, what do you do? You put stuff on your hard drive in your Mac or your other computer, or you hook it up to an external drive. But like, what if you want your stuff to be accessible, you know, like? Um, dependably from somewhere, and you want some functionality. Like, say you want a little, almost want, you don't need a whole computer, you don't want a Mac Mini for that. That's where I got interested in the idea of the Synology and the idea of the NAS. Because I do want my stuff to be available from somewhere else, but I also wouldn't mind a little bit of extra functionality. And so then this also shades us into things like you've had the Drobo in the past, you've got the idea of different kinds of RAID systems. So, you know, if you want to have a fair amount of stuff that's available from other places... And you wanted to have some data integrity right. and some functionality, what do you do? Um well one interesting but fairly costly solution for a long time was a NAS. So I don't know about you, but like I'd have been hearing about Synology for a while. Yeah, I've had much Drobo's in the past, I've had network-mounted drives and SharePoint-ish things for a while.
1: No, if my um, understanding about Synology is correct, and maybe I've got this wrong, but weren't they kind of one of the bigger players in like the higher end, more business focused? Like we've got a big office with terabytes of data that it's up, to, you know, doubling every day, and and they had these big network attached storage solutions, and now we're seeing them bring this technology down in, into more like consumer. I, I, think, space? I think you're
0: right, but I mean, like the you know the cost of entry like started at four figures. Yeah. I mean as recently I put one on my Amazon wish list, it might be 2 years ago now cuz I'd heard a bunch of people talking about like having this network security network um storage but also the ability to have functionality like basically build your own cloud, run a DL DLNA server, do all these different kinds of things. Yeah, And then eventually the light went off when somebody said, "Oh, you could run Plex on these things." I was like, "What? I'm like how would you do that? There's no screen. How would you even do anything with it?" So dumb I am. So I put one of these on my wish list a while back. I feel like before discs it was two thousand dollars it was like Man. a six i think it was like a six four or six drive unit it was at least a thousand dollars and i think more like with with the drives it was going to be comfortably into the four figures and i was like hmm that's not something that i
1: would <laughs> just, just want to try out <laughs> right. for fun i'll hold off on that
0: yeah if i buy this thing and i don't understand how it works i might feel kind of bummed that i don't really know what i got and, but then I've heard, especially, so Synology sent all, all three of the ATP guys, Accidental Tech Podcast guys, sent them a Synology a while back, and it sounded really amazing. Uh, I knew I didn't have any prospect of getting a free one, so I've mostly just been waiting around. Um, this is not going to be particularly interesting. Well, no, so, I think but, it's
1: very interesting because there's so, you know, when you're not just talking about doing this, for like backing up data and that's a big difference between a NAS device versus something like a Drobo or something like an external hard drive or a uh see hard drive that has like two hard drives and gives you redundant storage this is different
0: yeah i mean like i when i bought the iMac i also got a external drive that you can put two disks into so i've got two two terabyte drives in this thing and it's got redundancy and stuff. But you know, that that was the limit of it because I just wanted a way to be able to do backups and basically have an external drive for stuff, just like I would in whatever 1988. It's just bigger, you know? Yeah. And then it's just it's just a I guess it's Thunderbolt thing. So that's that's great. And it's got lots of different and then I got a dock for connecting to different things. But then I I know and so what made me want to do this? What made me want to do this was I was very interested in the idea that there are apps like Plex and many more that can run on this. So there's, I guess, a little Linux machine in here,
1: right? right? That's that's my understanding is that a lot of these devices are have like an embedded Linux running on there, and you can get so you chuck your data onto this thing, and your data is the form of like usually media, right? It's
0: it's, it's 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 mountable. Um, it's not, it will not mount. So for example, this will not work with Backblaze. This it's the Backblaze will not back this up because it right. is a it's, an, it's a NAS, it's not a, uh, it's, it's not reading it as f- a, like it, it's a network, it's a network drive. Right,
1: it's not a physically connected hard drive like a USB or a Thunderbolt or a FireWire drive. It's a, it is a, essentially a separate computer on your network that is acting as an autonomous server with all of this stuff on it. Just by putting a file right. there, it gets. But you served. can treat
0: it. You can treat it like. I mean, so far in my one day of using this, you can treat it like you know, like a hard drive. It's got folders you put stuff into, um, but also it is. It is the whole idea of this is to do all the stuff you would need to store and share that stuff, and do the functionality is all built in. So it's got software built in. It's got a control panel that you open up and run, and you configure, and then you can go and load packages. I guess kind of like you would on Linux. Like you, you, you go in and say, "I want this and such package. I want this video streaming package. I want this note-taking package. I want this whatever it is." You can install Drupal on this thing. You can install like all kinds of open-source apps because it's just a little Linux box. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, I, they have been talking about an ATP, and uh, Casey Liss, uh bought a new one, and I thought I misheard him because he bought one very close to the one I got, and it's under three hundred bucks. So you can basically, for under, I think it was under, I want to say it was under 300 bucks. I'm going to check that. We put
1: this in notes, yeah, right? Yeah, I, I put a couple in notes, but I'm curious, why did you pick the one that that you picked?
0: Um, bullet number one, powerful dual core CPU with H.265 codec support, DLNA certified for media. So you can basically screen up to 4K uh, video can stream from this thing. I'm not going to push that, but if I can get 720p reliably out of this thing over a network, I'm a happy camper. Yeah. So that means if you're streaming some of your personal media, uh, you don't have to do it from your Mac or you don't have to do it from your, you know, and the other neat thing about Plex and God, how do we, Plex is such a big thing to get into, but a neat thing about Plex is when you have a Plex connect account, you can have different instances of Plex that run in different places. So you might have a little tiny server sitting at your house with your, all your baby movies on it. And that's a Plex instance called home. You might have one at your office That's got a bunch of your like educational videos from seminars you've been to that are much bigger. That can be served from a Plex um, instance called Office. And then you might have a a, a NAS server somewhere that has a bunch of stuff on it that's stored on there and serving from there. So anytime you're using Plex as a client from somewhere, whether that's Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, or your iPad, you select which Plex Plex server you're running you want to go to. And they're all independent, so. But you can be, and it you know automatically does the port stuff. So you just basically say, "Take me to the one for office. I want to see my office stuff now." As well as doing DLNA or any of that other stuff you want to do locally. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. Totally. But I like the idea of getting my Mac out of the um, media business.
1: Uh, me too. I mean, we. I have a Mac Mini at my house, whose only the only reason that it exists is this is where I put Plex stuff, like that's that's it that's where we put all our media and I've got and a you big... can have
0: it work with your iTunes stuff your photo stuff like there's tons of stuff that there's a package for that like if you want to have your own little cloud
1: server right
0: um there you could there are mm, I don't know how great the apps are but there are there's Apple TV apps that you can get for this so like if you've got stuff you want to be, want to be able to watch home movies from Apple TV on your from your NASA wherever like you can just point to that and there's an app you just put in the the server the, the basically the IP and your credentials and you can Watch your movies from there. Love it. Yeah, I want to get one of so, these.
1: I'm, I guess I'm just trying to decide because you know I read the number of reviews of these, and everyone always points you at the wire cutter, and there's so many. Oh, did different... did wire cutter
0: like? <clears throat> did wire cutter like this one?
1: Yeah, let me uh, let me see which one it liked.
0: I'll also put in the the discs that I got.
1: Oh, you got uh, yeah. Th- they because it
0: comes. It's na- it, not naked, but it comes. You know. The, the, here's the crazy part. So I bought this NAS, which is, what, 270 bucks. Right. It was, blew, blew my mind. Like, Because I was like, okay, even if this isn't perfect, I'm sure I can find, it will not hurt me to have another source of backup around at the very least. So, and I asked a couple of my smart friends about what they recommended, knowing what, what they know about me. And so yeah. I ended up getting this and two four terabyte drives. And I'm, I may change this in the future, but I'm currently running it in, what is it called? SHR, which is the default mode the RAID-ish mode that it runs in, which is that, you know, it's like a Drobo, sort of, where basically you put in two discs and I uh, I guess, I don't know if it mirrors or what, but you get yeah. basically half of your total amount right, of disc right, space right, with right. redundancy and you can swap out the drive or I think you can upgrade it by putting a bigger one in. And then I, I think it repairs. One
1: of but, the big pluses of like, that people recommend like a Drobo or something with many drives, like a Synology with a like bunch of drives, drives. drives is that, yeah, like if if you want to, expand the storage you can do that by adding a drive if one drive goes bad you can pop it out put a replacement drive in and it'll use it i haven't read about what these do and how they work but the i've found the article in Wirecutter. they haven't updated it since june of 2015 so i i don't know if their recommendations are as up to date maybe as what's out on amazon right now their pick was one called the QNAP TS-251, and then their runner-up was the Synology DS-214, uh, which I think is the older version of what you got. So I that wouldn't... might be
0: the one Casey has. Yeah, this the one I got was the DS-216 Play. And the Play part, I think, is that it's sort of specially tuned for doing, you know...
1: Like um, streaming uh, media?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing doing uh, decoding
1: on the fly. So, I mean, um, that to me, that's really awesome. I would love to get that Mac Mini out of there. Uh as well. So I'm I'm curious to hear what you Well
0: then what what's what the the configuration. This is bananas. I am forgive me because if this is not interesting. Um oh, here's the other thing. You ready for this? Yeah. Two Western digital four terabyte um NAS hard drives. Right? Four terabyte drive, you know how much they cost? How much now? Hundred and fifty bucks for a four wow. terabyte drive. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so I mean to me I feel like even if this absolutely doesn't work for anything I bought it for, which I think the it West, will. the
1: Western Digital Red 4 terabyte NAS hard drive, that one. Yeah, put it in notes. Oh, oh, you already got it in there. 7200 yeah. or 5400? 5, 5400.
0: 5, <laughs> All right. Um is it, you know, again just having another another cloud thing, but also the neat thing is so what the configuring this thing was crazy. Like it I it arrived, <clears throat> I I opened it up, you pop open the case. You, you say so you unbox your drives basically, right? But you, so you get this, this, this NAS and you think, oh, this is going to be like, I remember when I first got a, the first NAS I ever had was one of those ones that looked like a, this is before Drobo. I had one of those ones that looked like a toaster. Right. I want to say it was RAID 0, but I had four drives in it and boy, was there ever a lot of stuff to try and make this thing work right Yeah. So here's, here's what you do with this. And I'm not trying to sell this. I don't have a dog in this fight, but I was pleasantly surprised that this is how it works. You take the NAS out of the box. You slide open the cover. You slide in one three and a half inch drive. You slide in another three and a half inch drive. You slide the cover back on. You plug it into ethernet. You plug it into the power. And now you have a NAS. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. And you even, you run, like there's a basic URL. What's the URL you search for? So it, it, knows, it knows to search your network. So you can have it look at find.synology.com. And basically it just scans your network it finds the NAS and you do the setup. It's got a really cool thing called security advisor, where anytime you made some changes, you can go in and say, you know, rerun all my security stuff, make sure I haven't done anything stupid. Um, But yeah, that's, that's it. And then basically you get this kind of janky windows manager type web interface that totally works, but you just go in and you install packages. It can do updates. Um, But you know, if you, once you've installed an app, you can run the app, however you would run it. Like I haven't installed Drupal, but like, you know, with Plex, you just go and use Plex you're just using the package manager to install and administer and you can do stuff. You can do all kinds of stuff. Like you can go in and you can, you know, configure web dev. If you want, you can go in and, you know, turn on or off all those different things. Now,
1: one question I had for you is let's say you've got your, you know, your collection of, of movies. Do you have to put them in a certain place for Plex to see them? Or what is there another service that you could also, can you like serve them so that iTunes also sees them? You know what I'm saying? Like I way,
0: I way overthought that at first. Um, but think about how you use Plex right now. Um, when you go into Plex and you have a new install of Plex or a new instance of it somewhere, you know, you say, okay, I want, to, I want a section called movies. And it says, okay, I can do movies. What folder do you want me to watch? Click. And then it just basically, you go in and you drill down through that awkward web-based interface. And so for, in my case, I just put it inside the folders that come stock on this thing are, it's like a little Linux box. You get home, uh, music, photo, video. So inside of music, you might put your you know, iTunes collection or whatever. Right. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah.
0: And um, it's, it's of,
1: smart enough to figure all that out.
0: Well, I mean, it's basically, it's, it's a computer. So you put it whatever you want and you tell it where to go so far. There's not, there's not an abundance of oversmarts that I've run into. But I mean, you know, if you're going to use your video streamer, it's going to look inside that video folder or whatever so you just put it in there and like like I say you just tell Plex where to look for that stuff it's just like running any other Plex it's the Plex you download from the web and it's you know except you're getting it through the NAS um, so you, all your configuration stuff for Plex pretty much happens inside you know the Plex app right so but then it's, it's kind of neat though because it, it reminds me a little bit of like using cPanel or what was the other one like you know what I mean like back in the day when you'd have a shared hosting account somewhere and you get that basic weird interface for doing all your stuff <laughs> yes it's kind of like that. I mean, it's not the prettiest thing in the world, but it works fine. You can turn stuff on and off. It's got a monitor to show you how things are going. Um, so yeah, like I said, I've only had it for a day, but uh, so far, pretty cool. But, you know, it's it's costly enough that you definitely want to think about whether this is what you want. I did a fair amount of research, bugged some of my smart friends about it, and I've, so far, I feel pretty good about it.
1: Well, I'm excited to hear it. I, I want to check in with you, and what. How, how long do you think you'll know if you're going to, like, Really like it and be using it.
0: Well barring the need to change the RAID functionality and having to start over, I mean, it's done. It's it's working. And so here's the other thing is like, you know, if if you want to nerd out a little bit with this, there are various, many various open source packages you can run on this thing. You will need to treat this like a server in the sense that if you want to run any popular open source media apps, it might run with the help of these other packages. So whatever it is you want to run, like, with, I, Drupal seems to be a pretty straightforward install. Let me go find some of the other things that are on here. So you go in, you got an area, it's, <laughs> this is so old school. Photo station, video station, cloud station, media server. Um, that's all kind of the, the easy baked in stuff. But, so let me go, uh, the multimedia, where's the one I wanted to show you? While you do, oh, let yes. me
1: tell you, tell you about the last thing I Oh like. yeah, yeah, please go ahead. It'll be the final one for our program today and it's Squarespace. Squarespace! Squarespace sites that you make look professionally designed regardless of your skill level. You don't have to know how to code. You don't have to know HTML, CSS, you don't have to know any of that to create a really beautiful website. And it doesn't matter what kind of website you want to create. If you're a blogger, you want to go write something, you want to go publish something, of course, yes, you can do that. But if you have if let's say you have a restaurant and you want to publish your menu and your hours and your location, it's all there. You just drag and drop the pieces that you want onto the screen. And they just work and they work in every browser and they work on every platform and it's nothing short of amazing. If you have a little podcast you want to host or a big podcast, sure, you can do that there. If you're a musician and you want to put your album up, you can do that. I mean, pretty much anything that you want to do, intuitive, easy to use, and you even get a free domain if you sign up for a year, which you should do because it's a really, really good deal. You're going to get 10% off your first purchase if you go to squarespace.com back to work. And the code to use to get that 10% off is it's your show. All one word. It's your show. And I think that makes it start at like 8 bucks. Oh, I forgot to mention the e-commerce stuff. You can sell stuff on there. You can sell physical stuff like t-shirts or mugs or whatever it is that you want to sell. And they have this really cool thing that helps you figure out how much shipping costs will be. So you can hook it up to different services like USPS or UPS or FedEx or whatever. And when someone says, oh, I want one of these, one of these, one of these, it'll tell them right there, how much that shipping is going to cost. It, it's really, really cool. But you can also sell digital stuff, digital downloads, self-expiring downloads. All of this is there. It's built in and it starts at eight bucks a month. Squarespace.com slash back to work. It's your show is the code to get 10% off your first purchase. Thanks very much to Squarespace for making this show possible. Merlin Mann.
0: I am such a fan. And I, like I said before, I, I still, I still can't believe everything it does. So, you know, Roderick on the line, which is a podcast that people listen to, is run on Squarespace. Mm -hmm. So we upload a file, we upload an MP3 file to Squarespace where they host it, and we link to it. We make a page, and like it's, it's basically fifteen, excluding the time it takes to bounce down from GarageBand. Because yes, I still use GarageBand. It's basically fifteen minutes from being done to having a podcast up. And that's the, even setting aside what you can do stuff. Stuff you can do with like the the store and the the one-page sites. The single-page sites are such a great idea. So brilliant. I'm so grateful to Squarespace. They have been very good to all of the great shows. All the great shows. Um, you know how it is when you're getting started with something and you read so much stuff you don't remember where you saw it? <clears throat> one yeah. of the things I saw on uh, in looking at the Synology stuff, this is inter- perhaps of interest to you, um, if you find a USB TV dongle you like oh, yeah. there's there's actually a built in app I believe it's media server Um, no it's not media server but it'll basically work like a DVR with built in Synology software so I'm sure it's, I doubt that it's like the coolest thing in the world yeah here we go video station is this the one Video station is kind of like their version of Plex. It just looks at media files. But yeah, but you basically there you can configure this thing I hear. You can basically make it your over-the-air TV, you know, you run it. You know I'm sorry, I'm not putting this well. So you run from your antenna to a USB dingus. That USB has USB, two USB ports on this. Right. So you can plug that in, and now that's your that's your you can basically record like straight to the Synology.
1: Now can you also can you also plug? Like an external USB drive into it, and it will allow you to back it up. to Yes. Oh, good. See, I gotta get. Well, it's
0: first. got a USB two and three. Right? I gotta get it's one got of these. two ports. I haven't looked into that yet, but yeah, I think that's that's part of it. I just gotta yeah.
1: figure out which one of these Synologies to get now.
0: Yeah, that's the hard part. Is like I I think you won't be disappointed with this one probably, but it depends on what it is that
1: you want to do. For, I mainly want to get that Plex Mac Mini with external hard drive. That's you know, sitting underneath the TV out of there. Yeah. Use that for something much, much better.
0: It's pretty crazy if you think about it. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying this is inexpensive. It's an investment that I've been thinking about for two years. Uh, it's just, I'm really glad it's an investment that was, what, 600 bucks instead of like 3,000 bucks. Right. It's amazing what, what you, what this thing will do for this amount of money and set up is, is kind of uncanny. Um, Yeah you can hear me trying to talk
1: myself into this purchase. Like I hope this was oh, not I a dumb purchase. the genius to make it and I've been wanting to make it too.
0: I just kept looking at that number and going like, can, can that be right? And yeah. so finally I was bugging Marco and John. I was just texting them and being like, I hate to be that guy, but like this will really work for this thing. And they're like, yeah, it works for the thing. <laughs> you know, I'm, you know, so yeah. Yeah, pretty cool, pretty cool. And then you can also do stuff, John was telling me, like, if you don't want to run it in SHR mode, I do not see myself doing this. But you can also then, in the same way that you could do with Transporter, for example, um, they've been a sponsor in the past, does some similar kinds of stuff, very right. cool. Um, you can get a second Synology and you can set one of them to basically be the backup. So it can do backups for you as well. There's all kinds of ways. You, you could, for example, stick in two 4-terabyte drives to have eight total terabytes and then back that up separately. You can, I believe... Syracuse says you can also drop in two four terabyte drives, have one that automatically mirrors exactly to the other that backs up automatically. Or you could do a raid ish thing, which is what I've done. I don't know if I've made the best decision, but you know, we'll see. So I'm getting even one. even though it's two hours and fifteen minutes. Who cares? Also, I bought Roderick a copy of uh, Predestination. Oh really? We were talking about that uh, You think he'll like that movie? Well, he likes time travel stuff. We were talking about on the show <coughs> on Roderick on the line yesterday. I was telling him how I kind of like that Hulu show about uh, go back and yeah,
1: eleven twenty two sixty three. Yeah, it's become a soap opera for me, and I'm oh, I only watched the first one. I I loved the first episode. Awesome first episode. Second was all right, and I feel like it's kind of become now a, a like last night. I was just sitting there watching like soap yeah, opera. I saw a screenshot opera. with a pretty girl, and I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's all you need for to make a show good, but. Um, well,
0: no, I'm sorry. That's it's International Women's Day. I did not mean that to sound that way. What I mean is like I like the I like the sci-fi part of this show.
1: I love I I like the show. I love Stephen King's writing. I love time travel. And there's a very very great de- time travel device. And it's just I maybe they'll explain
0: show. it later, but I love how much it's like I have a diner and here's a closet. It takes yes. you to 1960.
1: No, they never what? explain it. Really, I love that. I Never love explained. That. That's it. No, oh, I mean, like, unless they do later, which I haven't. You know,
0: like with Man in the High Castle, which I still haven't finished, but very much enjoyed the first three episodes of so far. Um, I I I like the relationship stuff in that because I think it heavily deepens the story. You know, and there's think there's that time when he's at the telephone booth talking to somebody, and you go, oh, this is not what I thought. You know, like right. there's all these things where
1: <laughs> no, it's I mean it's a it, the acting is good in the show. Um, the the production quality I think is is very good. Um, I'm not, the girl is very pretty. I'm just not sure that I like where it's going in in a sense of like it feels soap operatic more Mm -hmm. than it feels like what I was hoping for, which was kind of a cool sci-fi-ish with the past pushing back against, you know, the protagonist kind of cool promise that it seemed to offer in the first episode. Mm Mm-hmm. And I will love to hear your thoughts on on. on okay, it, on
0: I it. I don't know if I'll watch the whole thing, but I I finally just finished the last episode of um, The Leftovers. So I'm looking for something next. But I, I, another great thing, boy, as uh, as Jason and Tim Goodman like say, times of confusion. There's so many great shows, but also so much that you can do with format now. Where you think about think about when we were kids. You had comedies and you had dramas. Comedies were a half hour. Mm-hmm. Dramas were an hour. Mm-hmm. Then they had a movie sometimes that was two hours long and there were commercials. And then you could have something called like a mini series. And that was over two nights or three nights or four nights. But how much more could you do with the format than that? You had a movie and you showed it. But like today, I love that idea that there are some kinds of things that want to be an hour long. There's some things that want to be a half hour long show. There's some things that want to be an hour long episodic show. There's other things that want to be an episodic show over a season. Sometimes that season Is twenty-two episodes. Sometimes that's ten episodes. Sometimes that season is six episodes. And I, I just, I really like the idea that there should be a way for a great story that's well-funded to find the right home to say, "Hmm, this needs to be more than a two-hour movie, but it really doesn't need to be twenty-two episodes." (laughs) Right. Like you think about the first season of The Office. All the great, all the great sitcoms. All so many great British sitcoms. Six episodes and you're out. Right. It's perfect. Like Faulty Towers, six episodes. Oh, the so I years like later, more than do I do. More. Like
1: more than six, I like an eight.
0: Right, but even when you get to ten, it, there's things where you like. In the case of the leftovers, ten is a good number of episodes. They could have done it in eight, probably. But you know what I'm saying? Like, there's God. I've seen one-hour shows where I'm like, my God, this is this is a short story. Like, how how are you filling an hour with right, this? Yeah. And other times where you're like, oh my God, I wish you'd taken. Or in the case, like something I said to Max and talking about Ender's Game, is I feel like. Ender's Game, the movie, was so compressed that mm. it almost felt, it was implausibly, like, the, the speed with which he goes through that system and develops is improbably fast to where I said to Max, it was almost like I was waiting for someone to say there's a prophecy that he was the chosen one. But, like, I I think that could have been a TV season. Maybe along the lines of The Expanse. Like, this this needs to be more than a two-hour thing to really fill in all the, the, the details. Did you ever see True Grit? Yes. Okay, I just watched True Grit a couple weeks ago. That girl who plays Maddie in True Grit yeah. is the girl from Ender's Game. Oh, really?
1: I know, right? I didn't know that. I loved her in She's True a great
0: Grit. great actress. I loved her in True Grit so much. Shooting cornbread out here on the
1: prairie. <laughs> Do you watch in House of Cards?
0: <sighs> yeah, I, I watched some of the
1: first one of this season.
0: Feels played out. Feels played out. Feels played out. Feels played out.
1: Say it again. Say it again. Feels played out. Feels good. Feels played out. It's good to be back with the uh, the Underwoods.
0: I agree. A little, little bit played out,
1: but very good. Played out.
0: <laughs> 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 there should be a way in which we can all enjoy the programs that we, that we like without feeling judged. We mm. <laughs> should like HBO. <laughs>
1: We need a Netflix login. (laughs) Once again, (laughs) Uh, let's
0: button this up. I love you.
1: Love you too, Marla, man.